For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. A Tuesday edition of the Sports Bash starts now here on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Jennings producing today's show. You out there. What's going on, everybody? The Eastern Conference Finals for the what, 21st consecutive year will not feature the Philadelphia 76ers. Boston to Miami tonight. You can hear the game on 97.3 ESPN. You know, we look at these two teams and you wonder, all right, what do they have that we don't? We could go in for hours about that. What is it about Boston and Miami that they have that Philadelphia does not? First thing I ask you, first thing that comes to your mind, what is it? What is something that they have Philadelphia does not have? And I want to see if there's a variety of answers. Or is it all pinpointed to the same thing? What do those two teams have that Philadelphia does not? Let me know. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Conversely, in the Western Conference, what do Dallas and Golden State have that Philadelphia does not? And then I think we can start to put together the pieces of how far Philadelphia is from winning or being a part of at least the conference finals, for God's sakes. Forget winning the championship. How about being in the conference finals? Can we do that? I was thinking about this last night. You know, one of the things I, I, I last night, my girlfriend flew in from, you know, she was away for the weekend. I had to pick her up at the airport last night. So I had a lot of driving last night. I'm at the Philadelphia International Airport. You know, her flight came in at like 1140 last night. So I had a lot of driving to do at night last night. And I'm not the best night driver in the world. I don't see all that well at night. So, you know, I'm like trying to focus on the road. And I'm trying to like, you know, I also don't like heights all that much. So getting on like the Ben, uh, the Walt Whitman Bridge is not all my favorite. The bridge it crosses from... Getting from 95 over to the airport area, I don't like that bridge a little bit. I can tell you that. My God, do I hate that bridge. I don't like heights. I don't like being up on bridges. Um, but I'm thinking about last night, like, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm listening to a podcast and they're talking about the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference finals. And I, and I'm thinking to myself, like, so what is it about? Boston, Miami, Dallas, and Golden State. What do they have that Philadelphia is lacking? What is it? What is it that those four teams have that Philadelphia doesn't have? Now, I came up with a couple of things. But if you're listening today, I'd like for you to text in 609-403-0973. And what is it that those teams have that Philadelphia lacks? 
And then I want to see if we can put the pieces together to find out how far the Sixers are from being just in the conference finals, not even the NBA finals. How do they get from where they are? What is the next step? How do they find that? What is that? What do they lack? What are, what don't they have? And that's what my thoughts were last night. Well, I have some instant things I would think of if you want me to throw some at you. You have some instant ones, like yeah. carnation instant breakfast here. Sure. That's a, that's a throwback. You're going right to love there. it in an instant. Like, this answer is a little vague for me. This uh, guy says better players. That's too vague. We he need says. More. Well, he says better players, better coaches, better owners, better cities to live. But see, that explanation <laughs> is so pathetic. Well, it's obvious somebody who's not a, a, first, a first Sixers of all, fan. First of all, that person probably can't even name half the owners of any sports team if that's his opinion of the ownership. Because the owner doesn't matter in many situations, okay? Better head coach. Doc Rivers is supposed to be one of the 15 greatest coaches of all time. Did Eric Spolster make that list? Was he on I, it? You have to double check. I mean, I mean, he has enough years of service that he right. should be included if he's one of the best. But I mean, like you know, the, nah, I mean that's just a guy who and, and better players. I'm, and, I'm not taking him serious. Yeah, so that, that's, to, that's for you to even uh, uh, address his text message, I was just reading it because I'm just trying to. By the way, how did you feel about uh, Patrick Beverly? I meant to ask you, Beverly's attire today. Uh, it's, it's a completely different look. Yesterday was casual day at the office, I think, and, and today he looks like he's going to prep school. He scares me. He just looks like, like I don't know, his. he has this look on his face all the time of just like... He's coming for you? Something like that, right. Uh, he's getting called out a lot, by the way. Yeah, he is, and he, and he, shot, he shot back at Matt Barnes this morning. Did he? I didn't yeah. hear that. He, it was on Get Up this morning. I actually got a chance to watch some of it this morning, and... He basically said that basically said told to Matt Barnes that he blamed Matt Barnes for being a hypocrite because he said that Matt Barnes complained about what he said about Chris Paul and then Matt Barnes complains that James Harden doesn't deserve money. He says Matt well, Barnes Well, see, this is where like he went after JJ Redick today about that. Like yeah. Redick essentially said that he doesn't think Harden deserves the the max. Right. And then he went after Redick basically like how dare you say that a guy who plays doesn't deserve like He's basically saying you're trying to hold this guy back from earning money. Correct. And Reddick's like, no, I'm not saying that. If he gets it, he gets it. I'm just giving you my opinion whether his play on the court has justified getting that type of money. If he gets that money, I'm not right. gonna I'm not gonna be mad at the guy for it. I'm just giving you my opinion. I don't think that. See, I think that's where Beverly kind of takes it as like, well, he deserves it. Like what you know, and you're saying by you saying that is you saying that. He shouldn't get it. And he's saying, right. I'm not saying he shouldn't get it. I'm just saying his play that I see, I wouldn't, if I'm the team. Like, I don't think he understands, like, the discrepancy between saying whether your play deserves it right. and me wanting you to get it. Right. I might say, hey, James Harden, I hope you get that money. You're a, a, a fellow player. But I'm giving you a an, an analyst view. Right, yeah. exactly. And it was it got, he, he makes me a little uncomfortable at times. He gets a little, he almost takes things personal. He's very intense, to I be mean, honest with you. Intense. It's like, I don't know, it's uncomfortable. Like, at first it was like, okay, these are two guys, a player in the league. And a guy who just and a guy who's been out. Like, so it's kind of cool to hear them going back and forth and, like, him giving, like, some raw opinions. But it's almost uncomfortable with some of the way he presents it. By the way, Spolstra is on the top 15 list. Where did he make it? They don't have it listed in number. It's just this is the list, according to NBA.com's. This is part of their NBA 75 mm -hmm. thing. Yep, yep. Um, 
Basically, the 15 coaches, for those who don't know, are Red Auerbach, Larry Brown, Chuck Daly, Red Holtzman, Phil Jackson, Casey Jones, Steve Kerr, Don Nelson, Greg Popovich, Jack Ramsey, yeah. Pat Riley, Doc Rivers, Jerry Sloan, Eric Spolstra, Lenny Wilkins. Yeah. Um, so we got a lot of text coming in here on this uh, conversation. So I, I do, if you're out there listening today, that's my question for you that I'd like for everybody listening um, to give me an answer and to see if we can put the pieces of the puzzle together with these answers to see how close or far away the Sixers are. Yeah. Now, some of these answers, I will say, are rational or irrational. We take them all. I'm used to the irrational ones. I'm, 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 I'm expecting many of them. You're pleasantly surprised <laughs> by the rational ones? 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Um, let's read some of these off. Yeah. Uh, things that Boston and Miami have that Philadelphia doesn't. Depth, that would be accurate. Yep, that's that's definitely I think one. the depth one is definitely... It's got to be top three, right? The Sixers' depth, I think, was definitely a problem. Now, I would ask this question. <laughs> I don't know how they fix the depth problem because they don't have the... Unless... This is where Maury really has to be creative in the offseason. Like, he could not be creative last offseason. They were just so – their hands were so tied last offseason. They had no money under the cap to spend. Right. But now, seeing how limited you are and, – and, of course, on top of that, you've lost Danny Green. Right. And I'm not saying Danny Green was great, but you've now lost another key player in your rotation. That text message is – pretty much on the depth i think the depth is definitely something but you have to understand too that luka Doncic is a star player he's got some role players around him but they won because of the star they did but also you got to give a lot of credit to his two and three you know jalen brunson's had a monster postseason and spencer dimwitty stepped up in all of their wins and, I mean, there was a game where Dorian Finney-Smith had a couple monsters. Yeah, games. but they normally win you a game or so. Like, right, you'll win you, one game because that guy stepped but if, up. But if, if every game one guy steps up big, you win a lot of games Yeah, that but way. You, to win that's four. What, that's what the Mavs basically did. To win four, typically it's because your best player. Well, look, Donch is going to get his no matter what. You know, that's kind of the concept. Okay, your star gets, but who else is getting it? And I think that. You know, right now, if you were to look at mano e mano, just to bring the Sixers into this, Jalen Brunson has outplayed James Harden this postseason by a mile. So, if if you would have, yeah, but gotten, that's not depth. No, but I mean, you're when you're second, and then you're third, and then you're fourth, and then your fifth guy are all giving you games. Like after your top two guys, I mean, first of all, is, is who's the second guy? Is it Maxi or Harden at this point? I mean, I don't even know. I mean, financially, it would be. Financially, it's hard, but like scoring wise, it's probably Maxi, isn't it? You got to throw Harris in there too. I mean, financially, Harris would be in that mix. But no, you're right. Who is that second guy to Embiid right now? I don't know that that's shaken out. I think that's one issue. Yeah. Uh, Ryan in EHT says depth, depth, depth. This team has no bench, so depth is becoming a popular answer so far. I mean, the Warriors basically have like four different lineups because they have so much depth. Ed from Galloway says one word heart. 
To elaborate, they don't have an enforcer like Butler or Draymond who will get in teammates' face and demand more from them. Well, that's why we talked about yesterday about the idea of, you know, P.J. Tucker or Pat Beverly. Yeah, this toughness word keeps coming in. The whole league is bringing up. Apparently, it's a trendy word now around the entire league. That's what I said. When did all of a sudden this toughness go to the top of the marquee of things that have to be had? Now, you've always had to have, like, toughness. But you've never heard, like, it come out so frequently now when you talk about why have these teams lost? They're not tough enough. They're not tough enough. You need a tough tough guy. And now we're hearing this repeatedly. You know, Jimmy Butler once played for the Sixers, and they didn't get out of the second round. So just to, you know, put that out there is they had a tough guy. They had Jimmy Butler. They had this guy, and that wasn't good enough. Well, maybe the theory for some people, and again, I'm just, I can't speak for everybody, but, you know, if, for example, if I'm going off of what Daryl and Doc said in their postgame presser, the idea is that you need multiple tough guys on your team. Whatever that means. All right. uh, More text messages coming in. Guys, defense and a guard that can get to the bucket at will. Well, that was... Isn't that Maxie, though? uh, Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say he can get to the bucket at will. He can get to the bucket. I don't know at will. I think that's part of the problem with Maxie right now is he's a little erratic or a little inconsistent. Well, he's also young in his development. Exactly. That's the point is he's a young guy. He's not... Put it this way. James Harden in his prime was the guy that can get to the basket at will. Well, he's not that guy anymore. Was well, he not that guy because he's not that guy or because of the injury? We don't know. Well, we can't answer that. Who can answer that question? Right. Who could give a fair answer to that question? If no you one. don't like James Harden, you're going to say, no, he's cooked. Right. If you like James Harden, you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. If you're being fair... I would love to give an opinion on that. I would love to say I think one way or the other, but I really don't know. I don't know James Harden if he's hurt. I don't know if James Harden, this is what he is. We're not going to find out until he steps on that floor in October next year. Now, when the Sixers start the season next year, look, when he started for the Sixers this year, he came out and played some really good games. Yes, he did. And it was like, wow, this looks like it's going to really work. Until all of a sudden it was like, well, this isn't working. So, well, it didn't, like, not work. But uh, Mike from Hamilton chimes in. He says they need depth, better players to help out and beat. There's that word depth again. Yeah, and that's why. Just to ask Mike from Hamilton, I'm not picking on him, but just guys who were giving the answer of depth. How many guys on the Dallas Mavericks can Mike from Hamilton and the people out there name? I mean, I can't answer that for them. I just, I think that, to me, the depth is not literally just naming names, though. It's also how many guys can you trust on the floor in situations where your starters are not on the floor. So, like, you know, one of the things the Sixers were doing is, remember they were doing that overlap thing where they wanted to have either Harden or Embiid on the floor always at a point in time? Well, when you take the other guy off, what's the problem with Embiid? You've mentioned a hundred times, Mike. The backup center position has been a huge problem for them. Well, when you take Harden off the floor, okay, Milton and Maxi handle the ball, but you know, are you really confident that those guys are going to get the job done every time? Milton, no. Maxi, he's getting there. Uh, Ryan and EHT chimes in. He says, if Maury goes and gets another max player, you don't upgrade the bench or can't upgrade to where it needs to be. They're in a tough spot. That's an interesting 
viewpoint is if you go and get this, it's kind of like the Brooklyn Nets. They have these players, but the rest of the team suffered. Right. Now, the problem with Brooklyn, though, also was, let's be realistic, they made the Harden trade believing they were going to get Ben Simmons on the floor and that Ben Simmons was going to have a certain role for them. And then when he wasn't on the floor, the guys who they asked to fill in for that role, you know, the Bruce Browns and the Patty Mills, they just didn't give you enough. So what happened was is when it, you know when Kevin Durant had a rough series, which was a huge problem for the Nets, when they fell back on to Kyrie and Seth Curry and Patty Mills and company, they just couldn't collectively make up the difference. Yeah, Mike, those teams have a closer and an alpha dog and a guy who can take over games. Well, all four of those teams, all three of those, uh, all four of those teams essentially have that guy, their go-to guy. Right. Embiid would be obviously the Sixers' go-to guy. Let's not forget Embiid was injured. You know, we that, that that's a convenient truth that we leave out of this conversation at times. You know, Embiid was playing through a broken orbital bone, a torn thumb on his shooting. Yeah, I would like, and and this is what I would throw in. If Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Seth Curry, or Luka Doncic, if any of those guys had a broken orbital bone, man, why do I have such problems saying that word? You said it fine last week. Yeah, I know I do. I kept messing up last week. Do you remember the shows that I do? I do, but you got it to a no, point no, where you no. were. I messed you it up it. frequently last week. Yeah, but you got it to a point where I you had it I don't remember getting it right. I, I kept getting, getting it wrong right. constantly. I I'll say what I'm wrong. I'll, get a, I'll say what I'm wrong. I cannot say that word right for I whatever reason. you last week. I don't remember the right. congratulation, and I don't remember getting that word right. He had. A, I want to see if any of those guards have a torn ligament in their thumb and a broken face and concussion. I want to see how far they get their teams. And I'm not saying, like, maybe they take them to the finals. I have no idea. I have a hard time thinking that any of those guards would be as efficient scorers, ball handlers, with a torn ligament in their thumb and a broken face and a concussion. Now, you can criticize Embiid and saying he didn't get them far enough. I have no problem with that. Embiid needs to get this team out of the second round. He has to get them out of this second round. If his, at the end of the day... If we look back and say Joel Embiid was a great player, he should have won an MVP, possibly two, but he never got his team out of the second round. That would be a shame. Now, he keeps getting hurt. That's a problem. At the same time, I think it's more of, I don't think we look back and say Joel Embiid was a failure as much as it was a shame that this guy constantly had injury problems. Like, you know, there was a player back in the 80s, 90s, a guy named Jeff Ruland. The Sixers traded for this Jeff Rowland. They thought he was going to be the guy that like put them over the top. He was a center. Right. They thought he was going to be the guy that when he went up against the other big men in the Eastern Conference, he would be like the guy who could neutralize him. So the Sixers basically gave up a bunch to get this Jeff Rowland. He was the guy that they were missing. He, you know, with the Bullets, who were a terrible team for the most part, you know, he's like an all star player. He's a guy that basically was going to be the finishing touch. He's a two-time All-Star. Let's get this guy, bring him to Philadelphia. And he gets to the Sixers, and he gets injured and basically retired. Never made an impact for the Sixers at all. Now, Embiid has certainly made an impact for the Sixers, but who knows what the Sixers would have been if this Jeff Rowland was the player that they traded for. When they traded for him, 
they felt they were getting the the guy that was going to be the difference making player. I'm not saying Rulin was a failure or a buzz. He just it was a shame he got hurt. I think it will be similar with Joel Embiid. Like, okay, you want to say that Embiid's not on the level of um, Tatum and those guys? I want to see those guys perform at the at how high of a level would they perform with the same injuries? And then if you tell me they had those level of injuries and still got further, then I would say, okay, then Joel Embiid has been a disappointment. Right. That he could not get the team out of the second round. Now, one of these years, he has to remain healthy and get this team out of the second round and get him to the finals. And guess what? Win a championship for him to hit the ultimate level of who he could be. But to say that he can't lead a team to this level if he's 100% healthy, I think, is being unfair. somewhat unfair. I mean, quite frankly... We're sitting here talking about all the things the Sixers did wrong and don't have and depth and this and that. I'm not even sure that they lose this series if Embiid is healthy and plays the first two games. I think at least goes... I mean, there's a good argument to be made if he plays... They probably win one of the first two games, right? right? If there's a good argument to be made that if he's healthy and plays the first two games, maybe they win one of those two games. Right. He comes back and completely changed that series... After not playing for an entire week. Right. Those so two it's not games. ridiculous to surmise that yeah. he was a game changer in that series. Now, what happened in the two games following that? Why did it change so dramatically back the other way? I think that's a fair question to ask. What happened in those two games that they weren't able to bottle up what happened in game three and four? Well, I think it was two things very explicitly. One was they couldn't hit a shot in some of those games. They're shooting basically dropped off the face of the earth. You know, they were getting some open shots. You know, Embiid and Harden and Maxie are hitting the role players, but the role players and Maxie and Harden, none of those guys hit the outside shots, which opened up the paint for Embiid, which is why Embiid kept floating out to the perimeter because Embiid was like, well, maybe I can hit a shot. The other problem was was the, the turnover issue. You know, the Sixers got very inefficient offensively. They didn't, they, they weren't running screens. They got stagnant between the turnovers and the way they ran offense. And we've all heard the audio now. I feel like I've heard a 100 times on ESPN. Doc Rivers saying, come on, guys, we've got to fight for this. And you see the guys in the huddle being like, Coach, we don't we don't got any smoke left, you know? Guys, we went from Ben Simmons, who was a young, athletic, afraid to shoot, to James Harden, who was old, unathletic, and can't shoot anymore. It's an interesting trade-off, right? Well, that's not 100% true either, because how do we know he can't shoot when he didn't take enough shots in the second half of that last game? You know, when he scored 30 points, what was it, game four? When everyone was saying, there's James Harden. So what happened between game four and game six? Well, let's be honest. I mean, James Harden has never been a great shooter. Well, no, he's never been an efficient shooter. He's not a great shooter. He's not a 40% three-point shooter. What he does is volume shoot, Mm -hmm. and in shooting... 10 shots a game, he might make three. You know, he's not a great, never been a great three-point shooter. You know, for James Harden's career, you know, at three-point shooter, he's 36%, which is eh, about right around league average. You know, he's never been, at no point in his career has he hit 40% 
of threes in, in a season, not once. Right. His best season was 11-12 when he played for Oklahoma City. He shot 39%. Well, guess what? That was his third year in the league. He was coming off the bench like for the Thunder. Down. He shot 39%. Now, that would be above league average. But after that, really, his best season shooting the three ball is 37.5% when he played in Houston. That's going all the way back to 2014. So his last couple of years in the league, this year in Philly, 32%, not good at all. In Brooklyn, he shot 33% from three. And then last year in Brooklyn, he was 36% from three. In Houston, he was 34% from three. So his last couple of years, I mean, he's not, he's never really been a very good shooter. I think people thought, oh my God, James Harden's this great scorer. He shoots a, he's never really been a great shooter. So if he's going to depend on the three more than the drive, that's a problem. That's a big problem. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Frank Close has the Phillies mailbag. They start a set with the Padres coming up tonight. Travel with the pros at Philly Sports Trips. If you're a diehard Philly fan who's looking for some great Philly sports road trips, it's time to check out the full trip lineup at phillysportstrips.com. We got more of your text messages we'll read and react to coming up on the other side. There's four teams left. What do they have that the Sixers lack? 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. What do the four teams left in the NBA have that the Sixers lack? I'll read those coming up next. Now, back to more. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, 2.30, Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. More text messages for you guys. 609-403-0973. Philip chimes in. Says, Mike need an attitude like the old Piston teams and when Moses was on the Sixers. Heart, grit, and toughness. Yeah, there's that toughness again. I think that is definitely something this team can add. Definitely needs somebody to be that guy that could basically give them some sort of personality. I don't know. The Sixers just, like, don't have a personality. What are they? Who are they? What is their identity? I think that is a good thing. Identity. They don't have an identity. The Sixers lack an identity. That's one. Ryan and Little Egg Harbor chimes in. Says they need a point guard who's a leader on the court and off. Joel is Shaq before Kobe. Great, not great enough. They should hope that Harden opts out. And if you're going to give Max money, give it to either. Uh, I don't know who he's talking about. 
Lev, um, oh, what's the guy from the Bulls? Um, Levine? Zach Levine. Sorry, he. he the, I think he, he. He threw me off a little bit. Uh, either Zach Levine or because uh, it says on a Max, and I thought he was talking about Maxi. So that kind of oh. confused. He well, says so Zach Levine on a max or two contest constraints equal to a max. You can't do that though, dude. Yeah, you can't do that. So Bobby Marr talked let, about this. If you let Harden opt out, you can't sign a max player. Correct. So you cannot sign Zach. That's why I was a little confused. Yeah, the, you so, cannot sign Zach Levine on the max. Correct. So for those who don't understand where the money works, because of the way the salary cap is set up, Bobby Mark said this on the Sports Bash last week, and Brian DePorek said last night on game night. The only way you're going to have extra money available under the cap is if Harden signs for a less than max deal and you have to trade, you either have to have Danny Green opt into his next year to trade the ten million away, or just straight up get rid of Tobias Harris. You can't yeah, the go only out way and they sign can these guys. Sign in free a guy agency. in free agency to max money is if you get rid of Harris. The problem with that is you got to make the money. You got to make the money match. So you basically can't even do that unless, all right, unless Harden opts out of his deal and then signs back for less money than anticipated. But even then, you don't have enough money to give another max deal out. You might. According to Ramona Shelbourne, anyway. Well, I mean, of course, if Harden signs for like, if you know, Harden signs, I think it was like three number. years for ninety million. Well, like for example, Brian Teporek said last night, if Harden signed a deal that was backloaded, for example, like he signed a deal where like this upcoming year is a lot less than the final couple of years. Yeah, it's very challenging. But if there's somebody that can figure it out, I mean, it's Daryl Morey. Right. That's and, the advantage of having a guy like Morey. Whether you like Morey or not, he's creative. He's a guy that has proven in the past that he is creative. He has different ways. And look, again, I'm not saying every move he makes, he's not 100% right on his moves. I mean, I'm sure there are moves in the past you're looking at and probably say, well, that wasn't a great move or that. What he has proven in the past is he will do whatever it takes to try to get the players that he wants. Now. You might go out and say he did whatever he could get to get James Harden, and that's not a good player, or that's not the player that worked out. The point is, he wanted James Harden, and he got James Harden, right? So now, if he wants Bradley Beal, if there's one GM in the league that will say, I'm going to figure out a way to get Bradley Beal, I don't care what I have to do, he's the guy that will probably do it. I don't know that I would entrust that job to anybody else in the NBA. I don't know that I could say any other GM is creative enough or willing to do what you have to do to get that deal done. So I will certainly say this offseason is a very important one for Maury. He has made minor mistakes. I'm not going to sit here and say in the time he's been here, he's been a colossal failure. I think he's done more good. The Really, the only bad I can really come up with is I didn't love this Harden deal, but I'm not going to sit here and say it's a complete failure right? because Ben Simmons didn't want to be here. That and also the fact that at the end of the day, you got something in return for Ben Simmons. You know, a lot of people were saying there was no market for Ben Simmons. Well, you found a market and you made a deal happen. Yeah, so now I would say it is fair to judge Maury from this point forward. This is now his team. 
This is his roster. This is what he has in front of him. Now he has to start to figure out ways to improve this team. He was brought here because the team has kind of hit an apex with the moves that Brian Colangelo made and the moves that Brett Brown made and Elton Brand made. That trifecta of GMs was not good enough to get the team out of the second round. So you bring in a guy who has gotten teams to the next round. All right? That's why Maury's here. Those guys got us to the second round. We need a guy that can get us out of that second round. Let's go get this guy. He has a track record of building teams that have not won championships. Fair to say and be critical of that. The Rockets never won a championship. But how do we get out of the second round? Well, let's go get this guy. Well, now this roster, which is kind of a second-round roster, has to be improved to the next round. You're the guy that has to do it. I think it's fair to put him on the clock now and say, hey, this is what you've been given. Fix it. Figure out a way to untangle this web. You know, here you go. This is what you have. It's a second-round roster. We understand that. It needs to be improved. Now it's on you to improve it. And that starts now. That absolutely starts in this offseason. What does this team lack that these other teams have? 609-403-0973-609-403-0973. That's the text board. Mike, what was wrong with the Sixers? It starts with Embiid. He needs to learn to be a leader. Stop throwing players under the bus. First it was Simmons, then the coach, and now Harden. He could have be right. He could have right. The leader does, but a leader doesn't do that. Okay. He didn't really throw the coach under the bus. He said it's time to stop pointing. It's we need to stop pointing the finger at the coach and the front office. He said it's on us. So he didn't throw the coach under the bus. He said it's on the players collectively. I don't think he threw Harden so much under the bus, other than he stated the obvious is he's not the same player that he was in Houston. We complain when athletes give us the cookie-cutter answer. But when they give us a brutally honest answer, it's, I don't like that answer. Yeah, guess what? Listen, I'm no Simmons hater by any stretch of the imagination. He had it coming to him. There's a team that said, dude, you're one of our all-stars. You're leaving us out here to dry in this series against Atlanta. I think he had it coming to him. Hey, where did the series turn? Well, we had a guy had a chance to dunk the ball when he passed it. I'm just being real with you, buddy. He couldn't make a free throw. My God, he didn't even bring that up. Embiid never said, well, Ben Simmons couldn't make free throws. Right. He said, when did this game turn? He said, well, I thought we had a dunk and he passed it up. Well, they got throwing the guy under the bus as much as he answered the question. Captain Obvious kind of, isn't it? All right, Philly's in action tonight against the Padres. We'll get back to the Sixers. I also, Pro Football Focus put out their quarterback tiers. Where's Jalen Hurts on that list? You might be surprised by where he landed on that list. Good or bad? What do you think? Hmm, think about it. Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. Now, back to the Sports Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
ESPN. All right, Frank Close is here with the Phillies mailbag. Phillies win three out of four in L.A. They take two of three from the Mariners. Now they're back home. Padres tonight. I don't think the Phillies, the last I looked anyway, did not have a pitcher listed tonight. Does uh, Frank Close have an answer to that question? Do we know who's on the mound tonight for the Phillies? I believe it's supposed to be Zach Eflin. There hasn't been a move yet, but they... They optioned Franklin Morales to AAA yesterday, I'm assuming, to make room for Eflin. So we think Eflin will be the guy who throws tonight. Uh, so they'll play the Padres at Citizens Bank Park. Give us a little overview, Frank, of the seven-game trip, of uh, some positives uh, of what we can maybe build off of there. You take three out of four against the Dodgers. I think that's a surprise to a lot of people. You know, I think it is. Uh, <laughs> as we were saying last week, the Phillies really needed to, to, to hold their own on this trip to really sort of stay in the mix because you can't get too far below the 500 mark. But good good news is that they're just one game below the 500 mark. The sad part is they almost had that last game uh, against the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are, of course, a very, very good team. You know, a lot of other teams don't don't stay in all nine innings like that. And, of course, it was against their former reliever, Corey Knebel, that they ended up getting that last uh, couple runs to take that victory. So while that was disappointing, I think it's important to see the bigger picture that the Phillies did go 5-2 and two in a really important road stretch on the West Coast, which, let's face it, those, those are disruptive series. You need, to, you need to change the time of day you're playing. You need to fly across the country. And even getting to Seattle to L.A. is no picnic. So very impressive week by the Phillies. And even though they lost that last one, I would recommend we, we think of the bigger picture. And that was a pretty nice road trip. And hopefully that's a lot of momentum that they can bring into these these tough games at home because San Diego and, and L.A. are the next two opponents, and that's no walk in the park. Hey, before we get to the mailbag questions this week, um, let's, uh, you know, I, I and one of them, um, uh, I guess, has to do maybe with Bryce Harper. But are you concerned at all about this Harper situation? Uh, I mean, is it sustainable? Is this something they can keep just having him DH the rest of the way here? Yeah, this is something I've really looked at a lot the last couple days, actually, as Jeff Mosher and I recorded our last podcast. We we're trying to figure out uh, what this means for Harper in, in relation to other position players. You know, not a lot of position players get Tommy John surgery. Some have. Didi Gregorius is an example of somebody who had, you know, in a position like shortstop where you throw a lot, they needed Didi to be out for basically an entire calendar year just like a pitcher. But this condition has has had others like Max Muncy of the, the Dodgers. They've avoided the surgery and found a way to come back. Now, the thing about Harper is if he can avoid it, the DHing is not hurting him any further. So he can DH all he wants for the time being. I think what's going to have to happen is by the end of the season, you need to know your path forward. So as long as the Phillies are in contention and hopefully playoff bound, they're not going to want to have him take any type of surgery whatsoever. And there has been historically... Those coming back from Tommy John uh, to DH. Now, you, here's what could happen. There's two outcomes if you do that. Shohei Otani did not pitch after his Tommy John surgery, but he came back as a designated hitter really quickly. So you really got to, the Phillies are going to have to do a real cost benefit analysis at the end of the season and say, okay, if we put him under the knife now, when can we get him back, even if it's a DH into next year? Or will he be out a couple months? to start 2023 that's where you might really feel this effect because if it's something that they determine that they have to absolutely correct with surgery then you're probably looking at putting it off to the offseason 
and then missing some of 2023. That, that would not be a good thing. If the Phillies can get around it like the Dodgers did with Max Muncy, I think that's their preferred course of action. All right, uh, let's get into the mailbag and uh, see what our listeners think this week. Uh, starting off with, how about this guy, Scott Kingery? What's his status? Where is he at? Scott Kingery was activated today and is reported to AAA Lehigh Valley. And he's a really interesting case to watch because I, I, I my, my buddy Anthony S. Benson uh, pulled up an old tweet from, from uh, Buster Olney that said he was like Dustin Pedroia, but better. <laughs> so, of course, he's had these high expectations for all these years. And the thing about these expectations are, you know, maybe that's that's part of the mental side of this, that Kingery just could not match up. The good news is for the Phillies, the cost is spent. This is a sunk cost for the Phillies for this contract. By the end of next year, he will be a free agent. And whatever the Phillies can get out of Scott Kingery is a bonus at this point. Um He'll go to AAA. He'll play every day. And as I've said a bunch of times, the Phillies need a, need another infielder next year. Even if Bryson Stott works out and Alec Bohm works out, there's still another spot in the infield. If he could claim one of those, if he, if he shows that he deserves it, he could show that he could be a bench piece on a major league roster, or he could show that he belongs in AAA and that's where he's going to stay till the end of this contract. He's not on the 40 man roster. So there's really no sense of urgency to bring him up, but. This could be the great reclamation project where he could become something. And if if he becomes something, you know, forgetting that the contract is there, it is what it is, and it's spent what's spent, that's how it's going to be. So uh, we'll we'll just head to AAA, try to put something together, and if he does, there could be opportunities for him. All right. uh, Let's go to uh, everybody's most favorite Philly right now. That's Mickey Moniak. Any chance uh, you have an update on him? And uh, that's from Matt. And Eric wants to know when Moniak returns, what then what? Yeah, so I think I think Moniak is probably close to a a minor league rehab appearance uh, on Friday. That was the last time we heard anything. And Joe Girardi said that he was going to be hitting a little bit. Uh, he's quote unquote feeling better, whatever that means. So I would think that they're going to send him on a rehab assignment soon. Uh, I would imagine he would start down at Clearwater and maybe play some down there just to just to get his feet wet and then maybe something in the upper levels of the Philly system, depending on who's home, Reading or, or, or Lehigh Valley. And then worry about the roster then. You know, I think one thing we've seen this week, we saw in the last couple of weeks, we saw Didi Gregorius get injured. Uh, he could be ready to return actually as of today. Uh, wait to hear what's going on with Didi. Is he ready yet? Maybe, maybe not. Is Bryson Stock going to stay, or is Stock going to go back to AAA and play? You know, there's a lot of things that they could do here, and the uh, Phillies have actually been down a position player since uh, Matt Verling got uh, optioned to AAA when they needed that extra arm in the midst of the the COVID issues they had on the roster. So, uh, so there's there is a spot technically, but. But, you know, it's, it's hard to predict these things because, you know, as soon as you get one guy back, maybe you lose another, and you hope that doesn't happen. But uh, worry about that later. I think he should get his rehab assignment going soon, and then we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's kind of the big big uh, story in spring training uh, hasn't been able to get off the ground. So hopefully he can soon, and hopefully he can provide something to the Phillies. Yeah, and I, I would caution people, like, Moniak is uh, not the savior here. I mean, obviously, yeah. we're all hoping this guy was the number one pick in the draft. We hope he turns into being an everyday regular player. But he had a good spring training last year as well and fell flat on his face. Do you yeah, see any fair, reason very, why? Very fair to say. Right. And he's see- not really a natural center fielder anyway. So, you know, it, it, again, it's one of those things that's just going to have to work itself out and, uh, 
just getting some at bats will, will, will help help fans know just where he's at and help the organization know where he's at. Yeah, I think people like see this guy had a good spring training. It was like you know a feel good story, and it's like he's going to come in and you know hit third and belt thirty five home runs all of a sudden. Like, hey, this guy had a good spring training last year. And, you know, he was overmatched. And, look, I hope the kid makes it. I, I don't have a lot of expectation, unfortunately, but I hope he does. I mean, they need a draft pick, someone to blossom into a star player. Not just a good player. They need a star player for one of these draft picks. They haven't been able to get one. Maybe it's Stott. Maybe it's Bohm. Other than and unfortunately, that. Yeah, and as I was saying, the idea of a sunk cost. I mean, Adam Hastley's hitting 200 at AAA for the White Sox. I mean, that was another, another guy that was a, a high pick and, Philly showed they're willing to move on from some of these guys, so um, it's probably make or break time for Moniak. Uh, what do you know and and your thoughts on this Bryce Harper team uh, get together meeting that uh, has been kind of little murmurs about? It's been done before. I know Dave, Dave Gallagher, the former Phillies outfielder from the mid '90s, actually tweeted about it. And uh, but 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 Harper apparently did have a team meeting ahead of that start against Max Scherzer. You know that that last game in that Mets series. So the Phillies had one of their worst losses in recent memory against the Mets. Then they had two rainouts in a row, which helped them sort of collect themselves. But apparently, over the rainouts, Bryce Harper held a team meeting and hopefully helped motivate the team to to really respond because you thought oh man after that after that awful loss now you face Max Scherzer and Bryce Harper not only had the meeting but he showed up in a big way that day they took down Scherzer and then they hit that road trip where they were very very successful so you know sometimes it really a team really needs a boost and and you know this collection of players is is still pretty new they're only about 5 weeks in at this point at the time of the meeting and and so so maybe yeah, maybe it was a little jolt. Uh, you know, the, on paper the talent seems to be there, but as you know, they were scuffling a little bit uh, in the early going. And uh, you know, <laughs> the manager can only do so much. You know, part of that question is just asking about Joe Girardi. Is this is this an indication of him? Well, I mean, Girardi can't can't make the players play. He can't have them field the ball. He can't have them make contact with the bat. Sometimes that message is better coming from the the players. You know. Just just off the top of my head, you know, we used to hear about Darren Dalton all the time in the Jim Fergosi clubhouses, right? You know, Dalton would take charge at times, and it would make such a difference. So uh, who better than your MVP uh, that is playing out of this world himself? So let's not forget that, too. Bryce Harper just set a record for extra base hits in a three-game span at Dodger Stadium. uh, With something that, you know, Dodger Stadium has been there forever, of course. So uh, he's been playing out of this world, and and it makes, makes a big difference when you when you put up uh, <laughs> instead of shutting up, right? So he's speaking and he's putting up the numbers to go for it. What a, what a great example for that team. Yeah, Philly's uh, Padres, they'll start a set at Citizens Bank Park. And uh, as Frank mentioned, uh, it looks like it's going to be Eflin. They're going to probably have to make a move to make that happen. The lineup should be out here shortly. And when it is, we'll have it for you here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Mike Clevenger, by the way, he goes for San Diego tonight. All right, Frank, take care, bud. Thank you, and happy birthday, Josh Henning. Is today Josh's birthday? It's news to me. My <laughs> Facebook didn't alert me, damn it. <laughs> All right, Frank, appreciate it. Well, happy birthday, Josh. No uh, Facebook alert for me on that. I didn't get the Facebook alert. Every day I get that Facebook alert with all my birthdays. You weren't on there. How about it? All right. Well, how old are you now? 37. 37? Wow. Catching me. I'm getting that. One of these days you'll get me. You'll get me. 
All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Coming up next hour, all right, I teased this earlier, but I want you guys to think about it. What tier is Jalen Hurtson of the quarterback pantheon right now? You might be surprised at where he landed on this pro football focus list. Coming up. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, just after three, Sports Bash, we're going to look at the quarterback tiers. Where did Jalen Hurts land on the list? A bad job by you, Mike. You don't know your wingman's birthday. You only spend more time with him than anyone. I'm sure he knows yours. You know my birthday? Well, we confirmed this during the break. I know what month your birthday is. I understand the day. Yeah, he doesn't know my birthday. Why would I know somebody's birthday? Who knows anybody's birthday anymore? We had a conversation off the air. We know our, like, immediate family's birthday. You don't know people's birthdays unless you grew up with that person and were their, your family. Other people now, Facebook tells you their birthday. Right. Like, I know your birthday is, like, around the end of January. Yeah. But, yeah. like, I don't know. Is it, like, the 28th? Is it the 30th? Is it the 25th? None of those are correct. There you go. <laughs> I only know, like, um, we have a lot of Januaries in my family. We have uh, 6, 12, 13, 14, 24, 29, all in my family. So January, I know a lot of people there. My dad and my sister are both in May. My girlfriend's September. Her boys are both in October. I don't know the dates for a lot of people, though. Yeah, like my I dad, certainly didn't know that today was your birthday. Like my dad and a buddy of mine share the same birthday, so that's easy to remember. My buddy from high school. Yeah, I have like a bunch of friends and family who are all like March twenty fifth. Like an uncle, an aunt, a friend, another cousin. They're all like the same day of March. And that's helpful because when you have a bunch of people with the same birthday, you have less to remember. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one of my friends is July fourth. The other one of my friends is New Year's Eve. That must be an interesting comment. So those are easy. Like, New Year's Eve is one. July 4th July is the 4th, other. Man. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I know someone who has a Christmas birthday. You know, stuff like that stands out. But, like, you know, some people, if your birthday is, like, random, what month are we in? This is May. May, May 17th is your actual birthday? It is. Yeah, I would not have guessed that. Sorry. Yeah, as the story goes. I was- We're also, by the way. I'm 45, you're 37. I think we're past the time of, like, celebrating our birthdays like uh, a child. <laughs> where I would know, like, nobody brought balloons in for him. That's true. Right? Although I have a bunch of Facebook comments to get back to at some point. Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't get the Facebook message. It usually gets sent to my phone. Now, like, Pete Thompson, he will message every single person every day, happy birthday. Now, he doesn't even know half these people, but I guess if he's friends with them... And it says it's their birthday. He will go out of his way he feels obligated. and say, happy birthday, make it a good one. See, I'm not a Facebook commenter. If I comment, all right, I got this six hours ago. It's Jen Costabile's birthday today. Yeah, she used to work here. Yes. Yeah, so it, it gave me that. Some guy named Anthony, who I don't know, <laughs> and Josh. Well, it didn't come on my phone, but it is in my alerts here. So it is officially your birthday. So what you're really saying is Facebook failed you. It did. Facebook failed me. I think that's the bigger point. <laughs> Thank God it failed me. <laughs> I don't need this running my life. So what? I forgot someone's birthday. Shame on me, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, I think it's funny, but 
you know, I think a lot of things are funny. Yeah, you do. You're like uh, the Pat Bev of things that are funny. So Pat Bev's too intense and I laugh too much? Correct. Is that what we're trying to say? Yeah, like he okay. does stuff to make you to the point of uncomfortability. You're laughing at things and I'm like, well, this isn't all that funny. Should I just fake laugh? You're laughing, but I'm like, I don't find it all that funny. But you're laughing, but you laugh at almost 79% of the things that you actually say. Now, see, that's a weird number by you. I did that on purpose. Did you? Yes. Was it for my birthday? I wanted to do something that you could relate to. Because if I gave you like 75, that would be normal. Would so be, I gave you a number that, that was be totally off base 79% of the time. You will say something and follow it up with laughing afterwards. Of that 79%, I'd say 70% of the time, the stuff isn't as funny as your laugh makes it sound and i can accept that but i also as i've explained to you before the reason why i do that is because i i am a i'm a kind of person where either i take things seriously or i enjoy life yeah but it's like the I, I try to, then you I put try the to other person life. in an un uh uncomfortable situation where you're like well i'm not laughing at this it's not all that funny but he's laughing at this so i should i just give like the obligatory fake laugh but I'm just like, well, I didn't find it all that funny. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you also not much moves the needle for you. So you got to really say something funny to get I'm, me I'm going. A, I'm a guy. Even the things move the needle for me. I get, I get <laughs> happy. I get sad. I get angry. I, I get, get all excited. those emotions. I just, you know, like I, I don't want to give like a fake laugh. I don't want to give like a laugh that's not unwarranted. You got to earn the laugh. Now, do you ever do the thing where you point at somebody and say that's funny instead of laughing? Um, I don't think so. Cause I I know somebody who does that a lot. Like that's funny, with a serious face. No, no. What they do is they'll <laughs> like a guy gives you like a deadpan look. No, so like, like de- he- Pat Bev is giving deadpan looks all day today. It's uncomfortable. No, like the- so even the stuff that he's saying, I'm like okay, like I I can understand, but he's giving this look as if he he's ready he's to too like serious. Yeah, man, he's deadpanning you. Yeah, no. I mean, the, the guy I'm thinking of is he he'll do a thing where like you'll maybe say something funny and he'll go <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I don't know a lot of those people, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm I, certainly not one of those guys. That's one of those situations where like, I don't know how to react to that sometimes. Cause I'm thinking, was it really funny or are they just being nice about it? Yeah, I mean, they're just like, you know, you can't have an overabundance of things that are not really funny, but say they're funny. I just try to take the extreme of... I just try to enjoy everything and not take everything too seriously. Yeah, oh, believe me, I'm probably one of the least take things serious people out there. I mean, I'm just like everybody. One of the biggest frustrations people. But your pulse is way lower than mine, though. Well, I'm like just a very even keel. You're just very even keel. Laid back, dude. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, I don't know. I don't take much serious. I'm a passionate individual. If you would say what's something that people that bothers other people about me it's almost that i'm too laid back i just don't give two rats ass about much i'm a very passionate individual yeah where i'm just kind of like my mom used to call me a lottie da you know i haven't heard that phrase yeah he's just a real lottie dotty like i just don't give a rat's ass like you don't like me oh well you like me that's nice you know my mom we used to when I was a kid, she'd be like, you know, you got to take out the trash. And I'd be like, well, if I don't get to it today, eh, I'll get it to it tomorrow. 
Like, the end of the world isn't happening because your son didn't take the trash out. Let's not be so irrational with life here. It's not life or death that the trash doesn't get taken out, like, at that moment in time. So if I get to it right this minute, great. If it took me, you know, if it took me another couple minutes after you asked me, okay, that's okay. So, this- like, that's kind of, like, my personality is everything is the thought process of, is the world ending because of the decision I'm about to make here? No. So relax, everybody. Like, the Sixers lost in the playoffs. Is the world ending? No. And that's why people get frustrated with me. No, and I understand that. I'm just the kind of person where, you know, I'm just a, I have an opinion and a reaction to everything. So, oh, I have an opinion. <laughs> well, you don't have a reaction to everything, though. I might. I just might not be as outward with it. You know what I mean? You're, you're more subdued. You're more, uh, you're more, like you said, you're more even keel. Yeah. I certainly have an opinion. You can't last as long as I have in this, uh, why do you say you didn't have an opinion? Without that, you might not like my opinion. It might not be the same opinion as yours, which I totally respect. I could, if we had 20,000 people right now and 19,900 disagreed with me, I'm more than okay with that. Like somebody asked me the other day, like, does it bother you? That you know you're you're saying stuff that people don't agree with. I say if, when you first get this job, you have that mindset of like, oh, what if people don't agree with me? But as you get older, it's like I don't care whether you agree with me or not. Yeah, that's that's the one thing people don't understand is that is that they're they they're looking at it from their lens, you know. But for people like you and me, it's like it's part of who we are. Yeah, I mean, it is a uh, situation where you almost like. Now, for those people who have been to a live show and have met me out in person, um, I think most of that people would surmise that I'm a lot different in person than I would be on the air. And that's not because I, I just am a very introverted type of personality. But I mean, wrong in that. the four hours that I'm on the air, I'm not. And people say, you know, like, I don't like talking in public, like, on a microphone or up on a stage. Or people say, do you want to, hey, do you want to come speak at our event? No, that's just not my personality. I really don't want to do that. Or do you want a PA for, like, an event or a basketball game? Nah, I don't really like talking on a microphone. People are like, well, you're on the radio all day. Yeah, but nobody can see me right now. And I have a very comfort sitting in this chair doing this, but if I'm out of this room, I don't really feel all that comfortable. I'm just very introverted in that regard. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I just, wouldn't say I'm introverted overall. No, I wouldn't say you're introverted overall. You're just selective in your in how you express yourself and what arenas and environments that you are going to open yourself up in. That's all. Yeah, I'm uh I'm kind of quiet, but not quiet. I don't know. Well, no, you you're you 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 stick to your group of friends, you know, like I've, I've been over your house and, you know, when your buddies are over, you guys are yucking it up and doing your thing, you know, but if there's some stranger there, you're, <laughs> you're less yucky up. Oh, I talk to people if they talk to me, I don't, I don't yeah. know, but, but like, yeah. you don't go I'm not the most way. talkative guy in the world. You know, for me, I'm, I never my, shut up sometimes. My father would call me man of few words and now this is my job <laughs> that I have to fill four hours a day with words. I'm I'm typically I'm no I'm the guy who doesn't shut up and I'm very well aware of that so I have to pick and choose when I open my mouth because I know if I don't I'll just won't shut up. Mm. By the way, Bob Herrig is on tonight at six forty. Okay, 
See, I'm getting stuff done while I'm doing this. We're having this conversation, and I'm working stuff over here. So am I. <laughs> you see what I'm doing to your left? Yeah, but I'm right very here. good at multitasking. You wouldn't have known I was even doing this, would you? Oh, you could have been doing anything for all I You could have been writing uh, an article for the website. All right, I want to get into these quarterback tiers. Yes, I could be writing articles for the website as I'm hosting the show at the same exact time. Um, so Pro Football Focus put out their tiers. Now, they did, like, tier A, tier B, tier C, D, E, and F. It's an important footnote. All right? They did it like that. So, and they they named each tier. So if I think if I name the tiers, you probably would get it pretty easily. Okay. All right? So tier A is the golden oldies. They're guys that are playing at an elite level over the age of 30. All right. Brady, Rodgers. Brady, Rodgers. That's two. Well, I guess Russell Wilson goes in that category. He is number three. Uh, who else is in there? There's who two else? more. Who else is old who still can play quarterback? Two. There's only two more. Uh, is Kirk Cousins in his 30s? Kirk Cousins, I'm not sure. I would imagine so. I'm just trying to think of anybody who's in their 30s right now. These so, two should be pretty easy. Well, because two of the best quarterbacks in the league are both in their mid-20s. So Yeah, these are Tier A, golden oldies, playing at an elite level over the age of 30. These two guys I would have got. Stafford? Pretty, Stafford. And well, I don't know if I would more. say he was playing an elite level, but I get it. Well, he won a Super Bowl. Correct. I mean, he had to shut me up with that. <laughs> See, that opinion I had was – I still would say that I – I guess Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan is the other one. Okay. Matt Ryan I probably would have guessed only because And this is age. golden oldies, you said. That's the A group. Okay. Tier B, shooting stars. These are the best under 30. There's five in this group. Mahomes. Mahomes. Allen. Allen. Burrow. Burrow. Is Deshaun Watson in this? No, he's not. Okay. Um, I know people are conflicted on him. People think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league when he's actually available. I don't even know that he's on any list. He is not on the list at all. Okay, shooting star. Is Dak in this? No, he is not. He's not a shooting star. Okay. Uh, how, how about Justin Herbert? Herbert, number three. What about Kyler Murray? Nope. Um, he wouldn't be a shooting star. I don't even think one he's more. A star. Only one more. He won an MVP. Oh, Lamar Jackson. There you go. That's five. Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow, Jackson. Tier C, mixed bag. The most polarizing players. There are three. So Kyler. Two of which you've mentioned already. Kyler Murray is number two on this list. I'm assuming Jalen Hurts is in this category. He is not. Oh, interesting. Uh, Kyler Murray. Is Jimmy G in this? He is not. Okay. Because he got a team in the Super Bowl, so. Is Tua here? Tua is not. One of them you've already mentioned already as in the other. Dak? Dak Prescott is number one. How about Carson Wentz? No. So there's one more mixed bag. Yes. This guy is interesting because I, I think he belongs in this group. He's polarizing. He's a mixed bag. I think some people would love to have him, and others are like, eh. He just signed a big deal this offseason after being talked about being traded a lot. Is this where Deshaun Watson is? Nope. He's not on any list, Deshaun Watson. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. I thought he just was on the last list. Nope. He just signed a big deal. People were talking about trading him. Kirk Cousins. Nope. 
Similar. <laughs> Similar. <laughs> Who is it? Derek Carr. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I think that's a good spot for him. He's the mixed bag. That's very fair. All right. Tier D. Play action merchants propped up by their scheme. Oh, well, this is where Jimmy G's got to be. four guys in this group. Jimmy G is one of them. (laughs) Definitely Jimmy G. Uh, Is this where Kirk Cousins is? Kirk Cousins is in this group. Number two. How about Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts is not here. Oh. So he is a tear down from D. Wow. A little lower. At least, anyway. We are on D. He is not in. Propped up Actually, by play action. I take that back. There are two tier Ds. Oh. Cool. One, which is propped up by but, scheme. By scheme. Okay. Yep. Mac Jones. No Mac Jones. Huh. Okay. Um, These two guys are both veteran players. One, they are both on their second teams. Their second team. Yep, they were both drafted somewhere else and now are on new teams. One was traded. The other one, I believe, signed as a free agent. Well, the one we already... Oh, uh, Marcus Mariota? Mariota's on, like, his fourth team. Oh, that's right, yeah, because he played for... Um, whatchamacallit? He was in Chicago for a hot minute. Vegas. He was in Vegas, yeah, as well. Um, wow, I I am I'm going through the, the league. I realize I named some of these guys already. Is this where Dak is? Nope, you already said Dak. You got that right already. See, this is oh, why you have to fact check Josh people out there. Well, no, I just forgot. Come on, I don't have the list in front of me. I didn't write all the names down. I'm just telling you. All right, who's who's the third guy? The third guy is Garoppolo. The second guy is Cousins. One and four. You so did I'm not missing get. one in four. Correct. I'm giving you pretty good hints here, by the way. Is Carson Wentz here? He is not. He, by the way, Wentz is on his third team. These guys are on their, their second, second team. team. One was traded. Uh-huh. Yep. He was number four. He was once the number one pick in the draft. Jared Goff. That is number four. Jared Goff. I think that's a little high for him, by the way. Yeah. Was... And the other guy was a first-round pick. I believe he signed as a free agent from where his original team was and where he is now. He signed a monster deal about two seasons ago in the offseason. And his deal. remember, the category is propped up by, by scheme. scheme. So this guy signed a monster deal, but his scheme is what really runs that team. That's another hint right there. I Ryan played. Tannehill? There you go. There's a play on word. Really runs the thing there. See what I did there? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill, tier D. All right. Yeah. Okay. It says there's a second tier D. Now, the second tier D is prove it or lose it. Potentially their last starting year. Definitely wins. He is on the list. Number three. <laughs> there is five quarterbacks on this list. Five? Wow. Yes. Um, See, these guys, okay, one of these guys. Is Daniel Jones on this list? Daniel Jones, number two. These guys are all first-round picks except for one. They're all first-round picks, wow. High Um, first-round picks, by the way. One was the number one overall pick. And he's Trubisky here? Uh, He is not. He's in Pittsburgh, so. (laughs) Yeah, but he didn't start last year. So this is potentially their last year starting 
Trubisky didn't even start last year. No, but he was a starter in Chicago previously, so that's why I was maybe chewing on that bit. Um, their last chance. One was the number one overall pick. The oh, other guy teams were tanking for. Trevor Lawrence? No. Okay. <laughs> um, well, tank for Tua. There you go. I thought that was about as clear of a thing I could have given you on that one. The other guy was the number one overall pick. This one's really Baker? easy. Uh, no. Let me. The last quarterback number one pick me. Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence. He said number one overall. He was so number one overall. Stafford was number one overall. We already named him. After him, Stafford. He is also on his second team. Once through for over 5,000 yards. Why am I drawing a blank here? This one's really easy. It should be easy, but my mind is like blanking. Yeah, it's... You're right there. You got it. <laughs> Jameis Winston. Oh. Yeah. My gosh. Mariota's guy. He would be uh, the number one pick. He was right. in... Tampa. Tampa. He is now on his second team. He threw for over 5,000 yards when he was in Tampa. He also threw about 50 interceptions that year. Right, that's true. And then the last guy on this, I don't think you're going to get, Drew Locke. Never would have guessed that. Yeah, that's tier D. Now, E has a bunch of interesting guys on this list. Now, these guys are, let's not get our hope up. That's an interesting descriptor. Mm-hmm. So you've got four guys in this category. Is this where Justin Fields is? Justin Fields, no. That the, there's a whole category F that is all sophomore hijinks. So you've oh, okay. Got so a Justin group of Fields, guys Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson—they're all in that category. Yes. Okay. So this isn't this isn't those guys. Nope. These are guys. So you have a number two pick, a number two pick, a number two pick, and I think a number three pick. Carson Wentz. One. Who else has been a number two pick? Oh, uh, is Darnold here? Yes. He was three pick, right? What I said. Three number two picks and a three. Two number two picks and a three. So I need one more number two pick. Two more. Oh, two more? Yep. Oh, okay. Mm. One of them you've talked about. Both of them you've talked about already. Number two pick. Yes. In the draft. Um... I'm going through the teams in my head right now. Like, who is the, who are the quarterbacks that we may have, may have mentioned earlier, but I didn't get them in the right category. Yeah, these both of these guys are projected to start for their teams currently, mm-hmm. but they both drafted guys that could battle that could, with them. that could take over for you. Yeah, one but Trubisky. Trubisky. I was going to say one has a better chance of winning that job than the other. I would say Trubisky right. probably would beat out Pickett. The other one, yeah. Well, he was one. with his coordinator, and that's why they're together. Mariota. There you go. Yeah. I was trying to think of, because I already mentioned Tannehill, but he wasn't a second overall pick. So I was thinking of like the quarterbacks who were drafted. There you go. So they are in tier E. Your F tier is Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills. So Jalen Hurts is in the D potentially their last starting year. It says Hertz has the other 70-plus graded season with 77.1 grade last season. So of the group in there, Hertz and Winston are the only quarterbacks 
who have a 70 or better grade. Everybody else has really kind of struggled along. So Hertz is really, if you look at the tiers, A, B, C, D, E, F, there's two Ds. Hertz is kind of in the middle of the middle tier, which is about, I think, where most people would put him. It's very interesting that it wasn't a literal A through F. It was more like a, they were like separating them based on like very specific criteria there. Because most people would just rank, you know, one through 30. But they were like, okay, we're going to separate these guys from these guys all together. Yeah, so the tier A, which is the golden oldies. I probably would just go with Brady, Rodgers, maybe Russell Wilson. I don't think Stafford and Ryan are, are on the same level as those. Yeah, they're not. That's what really threw me off at first. And then as we went through the list, like, you know, the shooting star and the mixed bag and the final chance to start, it was a lot of, like, very, like, interesting umbrella situations going on there. All right, we'll uh, take a look at that list, a little quarterback conversation. we got football at four later on, Phillies tonight. Any hockey tonight? Back on the hockey track? Hockey's back tonight. There was nothing last night. Nothing last night. It was only baseball on the West Coast. But I watched last night. Oh, I was driving all night. Never mind. I didn't watch anything. I watched some of the Dodgers D-backs game last, late last I night. I always like, you know, when there's not like your local team on, like, what is your choice, people? Like, what are you watching when your local favorite team's not on? For, like, forget your local team. There are some people that listen and are not fans of the local team. So when your team is not, like, what do you do in that case? I guess if you're a fan of, like, a team that's not the Phillies, you probably have the MLB package, right? Right, like, I have MLB Network, and they show a lot of regional coverage on there. But like, if your t- favorite team that you like isn't on that night, do you, like, find another sport or something different? Or do you, like, is that your TV night where you catch up on the DVR? How, what is your, like, uh, blueprint? I'm always interested by that. Like, when the Phillies don't play, like last night, I wasn't home last night. I didn't get home until after 1 o'clock. Right. But last night, I probably would have banged out, like, another five to six episodes of... Uh, I'm on the blacklist. I, You know, they just extended the blacklist to a 10th tenth tenth season. season. But they're delaying filming. Yeah. This is disappointing to me. Like, <laughs> this show is still going on. I'm only in the fourth season. You have a lot of interesting things. I just to get. started Better Call Saul. Oh, yeah? Well, I was, you know, my girlfriend was away, so I didn't, couldn't watch Blacklist without her. Right. So I went to something that I, I've been kind of wanting to see that. So I'm on season two now. I just blasted through the first season. Hey, do you like it? Yeah, I'm like in. It? Okay. I like uh, Breaking Bad, but. Well, I know some people feel that, like, one show is better than the other. I know some people think Better Call Saul is actually better than Breaking Bad. I know some people are like, ah, oh, Better Call Saul doesn't live up to Breaking Bad's expectations kind of thing. All right. Um, so what is your TV viewing habits when your favorite teams are not playing? What is your go-to TV editing? What do you do? Yeah. What, what is your, how do you do it? What's your go-to? 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Sports Bash is brought to you by the AC Airport. Plan your summer vacation now. Spirit Airlines is offering nonstop flights from Atlantic City International Airport to Boston, Atlanta, San Juan, Miami, and other exciting destinations. Visit spirit.com. Would have liked if they flew to Charlotte. That would have saved me a drive to Philly last night. <laughs> more sports bash on the way. Now, back to more Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. 3.32 on your Tuesday. Like, I could watch Seinfeld 24 hours a day. You know, I was at a time I could do that, too. It's on a lot still, but I find myself, like, I still can, you know, watch it, but I don't watch it nearly as much as I used to. And if I have a night where my team isn't playing, I'm usually not going to go Seinfeld. I'll usually do that, like, late at night. Like, a late night Seinfeld, I'll flip on an episode or so. Late night wind down? Yeah, like after the game's over, it's like 11 o'clock or 11.30, somewhere in that range. Gotcha. I'm not watching it like in the middle. There's too many other things going on. You Makes know? sense. Um, my go-to when sports team is not home is Law & Order. See, that's a guy going to the repeat. Right. He's not going for the new stuff. Now, you could say, well, you're watching the blacklist. Well, I didn't see the blacklist. Did you watch those Law & Orders? That's a good question. Maybe maybe it's the first time I've ever seen them. Like, are you watching them in succession, or are you just watching whatever ones pop up on the TV? Is that still on TV, like, all the time? I think it might be, like, a USA or something. Like, one of those channels. Yeah. See, Blacklist, I'm watching on Netflix. Right. I didn't see Blacklist. I never even heard of it until... Until I showed up. <laughs> was that what it was? Did you tell me to watch it? Yes, that? I'm the guy who was badgering you to watch it. Well, I'm in four, season four now. I've given you two shows that you watched. What was the other one? Designated Survivor. I did watch Designated Survivor. It's also on Netflix. Pretty good. I liked it. I'd watch. I'd say it was worth it. Yeah, I'm just disappointed that there's it. It's pretty much done. That was my disappointment. So. Well, there's a couple shows now. The new Ozark. I have not watched the last. The, the second part of the last season. I was just going to ask, did you watch the first part? I did. As soon as it came out, we watched it. But now we're so deep into the blacklist, it's like, do we you're down, you're down jump the off list. the blacklist to go to Ozark and then back? To, it's like, I feel like we're, we're you know, we're enjoying the blacklist. Right. Now, so I don't know, like, how do you, that's a, that's a tough road to navigate. This is a Pete Thompson question tonight, right? I, I, Tuesday with Thompson? So we had Ozark, and everybody's right. been waiting for these last seven episodes. Correct. It's been, like, one of the most talked about things on, like, social media. Right, and we watched the first seven episodes right away. As soon as they came out, boom, we watched them. Now the last seven episodes are just hanging around out there, and we haven't gotten to them yet because we're watching the blacklist. So do you hit the pause button on the blacklist and go to the last seven of Ozark? There's no way... Because to get through all of the blacklist, I mean, how many? There's there's ten seasons. Well, there's nine seasons. Well, the ninth season is on TV right now, so that won't even be on Netflix until later this fall. Yeah, but by the time, that's my point. So you have eight seasons still to go. That is no, currently no, no. four. On, We're in season four right now. No, I meant there's eight seasons on Netflix right now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we still have like. Three and a half to get to the end there. That's going to take us a while. Right. I mean, especially in the summertime. Well, that and also the fact that, you know, is it something where do you maybe get to a point 
in the blacklist to say, okay, now we're going to hit the pause button, the timeout. And go check something else out. So if we just keep on going through Blacklist, I'm not going to get to these last seven episodes of Ozark until September. Right. So maybe maybe you find a point in the upcoming episodes, whether it's this season or season five. And mind you, you're only I'm only watching Blacklist like when the Phillies are now the Sixers being done opens up a lot. It does open up some things, and also um, the the Phillies. I mean, you could also watch an episode or two after the I mean, the conference finals are on, though. That's true, too. You know, I'm watching them. Well, the conference finals are every night. Exactly. So they're every single night. Now, and they're they're late, too. How many episodes do you typically watch at a time with the Blacklist? Like, uh, like about a, three. About three. That's okay. a three-hour investment. That's a, that's a serious investment. It's like two hours and two and a half hours. I mean, they're like 47 minutes each. Right. So we'll do about two or three on, a, on and off. Like, when the Sixers were not playing... You know, right around eight thirty, we'll say, "All right, we'll we'll turn on the blacklist." Turn on the blacklist. All right, eight thirty to like nine twenty, nine twenty to about ten thirty. Oh, here's a here's a question for you. So I know that you're you really like the Reddington character. Does Heidi have a favorite character? Um, it's a good question. Not sure. I mean, she may have the same favorite character as you. I was just hard curious. not to like be like, "Oh, Reddington's a badass," right? But I mean, like, there are other characters that have like fascinating, like you know, concepts and roles in the show. Tim and Millville says you got to go Ozark over Blacklist. Someone's going to get you with a spoiler. I haven't seen other than people saying they were a little disappointed with the Ozarks uh, ending. What is your position on spoilers? Well, I don't yearn to find out what happened. <laughs> it's not like I'm trying to run into it. Hey, can somebody please tell me what happened? No, don't text me and tell me what happened. I don't want to know. But that is a concern. Like, well, put it this way. The blacklist is still going on. Like, it's, I can't believe there's first-run episodes that are still going on out there. Yeah. Um, what I would say is this is my suggestion. Not I feel that, like that I don't know anybody else that watches that show. I mean, me? Yeah, I'm saying. I don't know anybody else, I said. Maybe they should watch it. How I agree. That? It's a good show. But it's like I don't hear people. I mean, I get it. I'm eight. I'm eight seasons behind here. <laughs> but I don't really ever hear anybody talk about it. So, what's your suggestion? So, my suggestion is maybe find a point in the story that you're in the midst of. Whether it's like maybe finish this season or get halfway through next season or something. Find a point and be like, okay, we're going to hit the pause button. We're going to Ozark. I think it's going to have to be at the end of season when we get to the end of season four. That's when we'll do the jump off. Okay. Ozark will get through in a day or two. Right. Like seven episodes and it's raining out. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. My like, God, it's been raining since I feel like uh, January. Sun's out today. It's amazing. That's what has to happen. You need a rainy day. Well, this weekend's not going to be good either. So it's not going to be Saturday. Maybe Sunday. Like, I don't know. I think at the end of season four... When I get to the end of Blacklist Season 4, that's when we'll hit the pause. We'll go over to Ozark. Now, are you the kind of person where if a, if a season ends a certain way, that you turn and be like, when we got to see Season well, 5? Of course. I mean, that's the whole point of, like, these cliffhanger shows. That's why you watch more than one in a night. Like, back in the day, when you didn't have Netflix, you watch it, and you're like, you know, wait a week for it. You're like, oh, my God, I can't wait till next week. Right. Now it's, oh... And then we look at each other, and it's like, what time is it? We have time for one more episode, you know? Right. Meanwhile, like, 
your eyes are halfway down. Like I'm shaking my head to try to stay awake through the thing. I think I can make it through one more. I can make it through one. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> right? It's so true. Jeez. As I've done that so many times. It's like, you're like, oh, man, I can't, I can't, I can't sleep after that. But like, I'm already half asleep as it is. Well, you know, you start like two out in the living room. And then it's like, you will watch one more in the bedroom. You know? See, uh, ESPN just put out some of its major college football matchups that they're going to be airing. Oh. Yeah, you got Georgia-Oregon. Well, that's interesting because the the coach of Oregon used to be at Georgia. Yep. Notre Dame-Ohio State. That's right. a doubleheader on ABC, that one. Oh, well. We, you know, we know who Notre Dame is. Well, now, Notre Dame got a new, new coach, coach, Marcus Freeman. Yep. And... There's a lot of people who are wondering, how good is C.J. Stroud going to be without his two best receivers? Okay. Well, the next night, Florida State LSU. LSU was completely disappointing last year. Yeah, and they got a new head coach, Brian Kelly. Florida State, they're a team that uh, had an overhaul through recruiting. September 24th, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Oh, Big Ten. Big Ten, a little smash mouth from Wisconsin. October 8th, Texas, Oklahoma. Red River. This will be the last Big 12 matchup between them, right? Correct. They're, mo- they're both moving to the SEC. Uh-huh. And then November 25th, Florida, Florida State. It's a big, uh, it's a big game for recruiting Do no games feel as big as they used to? Like Florida State, Miami, Florida, Florida State. Well, no, because... It used to be all three were either good or great, and now only one out of the three is good or great. Nobody feels as big as they used to. Those three, not definitely. Nobody. Only teams that feel as big as teams used to feel is Alabama, Mm -hmm. Ohio State, and really other than that, nobody. Nobody feels like big teams used to feel. Does that make sense? I understand where you're coming from. It's the idea that there's also so much turnover now with some of these teams between the transfer portal and guys going to the NFL. You know, one of, one of the things I've heard different people talk about is that, you know, back in the day you had, like, teams together for, like, two, three years. And now it might be only a year, for a year or two, like I said about C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is going to be one of the top quarterback prospects. But he just lost Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave to the NFL draft. So it's like now you're you're leaning on Henderson, the running back who was a freshman turning a sophomore, and a, a new batch of top tier receivers. Yeah. Now reading that off, right? I just happened to see that tweet, and reading that off has me like all juiced up for college football now. Like, can it get here now? I love college football. You me know too, that. man. It's uh, but it's almost. I said to my girlfriend the other night, you know. It's almost June, and like June will be over fast because the summer starts, and then it's like August. I'm already realizing after last year that there's a lot of things I want to do this summer. Oh, yeah? And I might not have the time to do it all. Oh, that's a good problem, Matt. You have all these things you want to do. I'm going to Croatia. I know. That's very cool. I go once we were counting down to like when we're leaving. That might be the coolest trip you've ever done in your life. I would agree. I'm not arguing with that. See, we agree on things sometimes. Uh, coming up, Adam Kaplan has football for it. On the other side, all right? 
On the other side, the Eagles better have a good run defense. I'll explain coming up next here on the Sports Bass Live 97.3 ESPN. I want to tell you about my friends over at Ambient Comfort. You know the saying, April showers bring May flowers. But what do May flowers bring? Allergies. I don't have any allergies, so I wouldn't know. But it's a great time to contact my friends at Ambient Comfort and ask about their indoor air quality solutions, including air purifiers, uh, air filtration systems. These are systems from Ambient Comfort that can provide so many benefits for your family. They can disinfect and clean your air, eliminating biological contaminants, including viruses, mold spores, and bacteria. Whether you're dealing with allergies, asthma, or just want to cut down on the dust in the air, Ambient Comfort will audit your home and determine the best air quality solution. Then install and maintain the system that makes sense for your home. If you're a bit of a germaphobe, this is the thing for you. When comfort matters, choose Comfort Ambient. Excuse me, choose Ambient Comfort. Visit AmbientComfortNJ.com. That's AmbientComfortNJ.com. Or call 85609. What's going on with me today? 609-568-0955. 609-568-0955. I actually just called Ambient today. they got to come check out my uh, air quality for the summertime as we're getting ready. Those guys are uh, coming to my house to do exactly that. Give them a call for your houses. Well, more Sports Bash on the way. Now, back to the Sports Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ESPN. Uh, something the Suns did is preposterous. I'll talk about that later on in the show. The Eagles better have a good run defense this year. And I'll tell you why. So Pro Football Focus did their running back rankings and tiers. The Eagles will face many of these guys this season. Okay, you ready for the tiers and the guys the Eagles will be seeing this year? CC, very intrigued. All right, uh, number one on the list, Jonathan Taylor. The Eagles will face him this year. He's a Colt. That's right. right. All right. Stud. Derek Henry is, near, is number three on the list. Large man. He will be in Philadelphia. They will face him. Dalvin Cook, he is number five on the list. They will face him as well. Number six on the list is Alvin Kamara. They will face him as well. Number seven on the list is Aaron Jones. They will face him as well. So you've got right there in the top seven running backs in all of football. One, two, three, four, five of the top seven you will be facing. Now, when you look through the top ten, the next running back that you will face is number 11, Najee Harris with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is number 11. You will also be checking out Saquon Barkley, who was number 13 twice. Zeke Elliott, who was number 15 twice. You will face James Conner, who was number 16 early in the season. And then there's Miles Sanders, by the way, all the way down there at number 18. David Montgomery, you will face him in the Bears. He is number 19. So there you go. In the top 20, 
you will be facing a plethora of guys who are very good uh, at running the football. And some of those guys are good at doing both, catching the ball out of the backfield. So the Eagles will face a lot of offenses who have a lot of running back weapons this year. So it'll be very interesting. If you bought, if you checked out the Honest NFL on Twitter today? Not today. He's a great, great follow. We bring him up a lot on this show. It's yep. at the Honest NFL. And what he did today is basically a complete rundown of why John Gannon's defense will look a lot different this year and just the different looks that you're going to see from John Gannon this season. And he has videos and he has charts and all different stuff. So um, I don't know why he felt to me that – it was today's uh, project for him to put out all the different ideas that John Gannon has, but that was what he did today. So it's just a complete uh, link uh, thread of all different things that the Eagles defense is going to be able to do this year about how they'll structure things and why they're going to look so different and all the different things that the Eagles will be able to do differently this year because of what Gannon wants to try to do and why he couldn't do it last year because of the personnel that they had. He said, starting tomorrow, I think I'll try to present a visual manner what everyone can expect from Gannon's defense compared to last year. While it'll be different, why it will be different structurally, the coverage I expect them to utilize and all that good stuff since I got a lot of questions about it. So I guess people have been asking him, hey, why do you think the Eagles defense is going to look so much different? Now, this honest NFL was a player evaluation guy, a guy who worked, people think, in the Eagles front office. I think he has kind of indicated that he worked in the Eagles front office, but he's kind of remained anonymous. But he has been a quarterback coach, a passing game coach, a scout, and he worked in the Eagles front office. So a lot of his tweets are very Eagles, Howie Roseman oriented. So if you follow the Honest NFL you could check out. But there's a list of the running backs. I mean, five of the top seven running backs the Eagles will face this year. Pretty interesting. All right, when we come back, football at four is here. Adam Kaplan inside the birds. The Eagles have some news today. We'll talk about some of the news that came out today about the Eagles. Plus, some of the questions that the team had in mid-May... Where are those questions now, and how have they been answered? We'll get into that with Adam Kaplan coming up next here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. Hey, as we get into the summer, you're going to start to see, we'll get into our team and division breakdown later on with Adam, uh, excuse me, uh, Andrew DeCecco. we got a lot of football and four planned for you this summer. Don't go away. That's coming up next here on the Sports Bash. ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. I have real confidence that our football operations uh, can once again create a dominant football team. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. And Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Podcast is brought to you by the Atlantic City Airport. Plan your summer vacation now 
Spirit Airlines is offering nonstop flights from Atlantic City International Airport to Boston, Atlanta, San Juan, Miami, and other exciting destinations. Visit spirit.com for more. All right, Adam Kaplan is here. The Eagles and, of course, the NFL into the summertime now. Still teams, you know, don't forget, moves are still to be made by a lot of teams out there. It's all pro football focus today. Uh, ranked the 32 off seasons out there. And uh, one of the big things they said is, look, teams can still make moves. There's still things that need to happen. But how have the teams got to this point? You know, we'll take a look at some of the questions the Eagles had going all the way back uh, to the middle of May and where those answers are right now. And we got some Eagles news as well on training camp and this, the uh, exhibition season that will be coming up here before we know it, Adam Kaplan, they'll be back on the field. And, of course, uh, there's some news today. They're going to hold another joint practice, one with the Browns, now with the Dolphins. And uh, this is something that we're seeing a lot more common around the league and why these teams really like to do these joint practices. Yeah, Mike, could it be with you? Yeah, so for, I'm going to say for a five to, four to five-year stretch, these were, it was very quiet with joint practices. And, through coaching changes, general manager changes, and getting the team getting younger, uh, the the younger GMs and younger head coaches were forward thinking, wanted to start having these again. Other than Bill Belichick, who loves these, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, so the Eagles made the second announcement. Um, we had heard back in March that they were going to release one of them, and now we didn't know about the second one. So this is interesting, and we'll explain kind of the, the timeline and everything. So it's going to be as you said when they are at the Dolphins. Uh, for the third week of the preseason, remember there are no, we don't have four weeks anymore. We only have three. So that's the advantage of getting a little bit extra work and not having that fourth preseason game. But so the, the first week against the Jets, uh, there's no, there's no, uh, combined practice down. They could, they could always do it, but it's, it, I don't want to say it won't happen, but it's highly unlikely that they would do it only because it's rare for a team to have th- three separate joint practices. It's either one or two. And the Eagles are doing two, so that right now they don't have anything scheduled with the Jets. That's their first preseason game, which is on a Friday night. And then they have, it's really interesting, we didn't talk about this last week when we were with you, but their second preseason game is on a Sunday, and it's at 1 p.m. Eastern. So right. it's actually the same as, as it would be in the regular season. Now, what they'll do is they probably will practice Friday and Thursday and Friday that week. You don't typically practice the day before the game. In fact, you don't do that. Uh, that's a walkthrough. So they probably, it's not set yet. We don't, they haven't released a practice schedule, but typically it's, you stop practicing joint, jointly, uh, two days before you play. So m- maybe it'll be Thursday and Friday that week, and then you play Sunday. And then week three is Saturday, the 27th of August at 7 p.m., 7 p.m. Eastern. That game is at Miami, so, which means they probably would practice Wednesday and Thursday. I will almost certainly be to that one because I, I have a long training camp tour, which will, which will be my, I think my 18th year of doing these, and um, I, I, t- I typically, Mike, like to end it around the third week of, of August, so I definitely will want to go to that one, though it'll be unbelievably hot. It should be in like the should be in the hundreds and humid. It's awful in Miami, but they have a, by the way, they have a new comp, new training camp, uh, new, new training complex, which opened the last couple of years, which apparently is amazing. Uh, so there you go, at Cleveland, at Miami, Weeks two and three, and they will have uh, joint practices at Cleveland and at Miami. Yeah, so you just broke down a bunch there. The preseason used to be you played on Thursday nights for the most part. There are no yeah. Thursday preseason games for the Eagles. They used to close out with the Jets. <laughs> now they're opening with the Jets Friday, Sunday, Saturday. <laughs> now, 
on these, you know, uh, a lot of players don't play in the preseason. So why hold these joint practices? What are some of the advantages there? And why have these become so popular? Because you have these games. It seems like uh, these practices are almost more impactful or more important than the game sometimes. Well, it's interesting, Mike. So what, what some teams are doing is it's just, it just goes to what you were bringing up. So what they'll do is they may practice – Let's say the veterans, let's say the first week of the preseason, it, it, that's the game uh, at home against the Jets. By the way, the only Eagles home preseason game of three. So let's say they decide that the, the, the veterans will, will practice a decent amount. There's a very good chance they won't play in that first preseason game or play very little because they just got all that work. And remember, it's going to be very, very hot. Uh, we're, they're, the, the games, the first preseason game is on August 12th. The last one is on August 27th. So as we know, it's generally in the 90s then. And humid. We get the humidity in the summer. So like we saw in the first preseason game, uh, might have been against Cleveland. I don't remember who they played. I, the, the first preseason game might have been against Cleveland. I don't know whoever it was against last summer. Uh, that was the game where the veterans didn't play, and then, and then the Eagles had Miles. No, the veterans played, I'm sorry, because they didn't have any joint practices that week. And then Miles Sanders uh Miles Sanders went up being held out where the veterans played, and we couldn't figure out, like, why are they doing this? Are they trying to trade Miles Sanders? No, they weren't, but they decided to hold him out, and then they would play him later on. So um, so maybe they'll do the same thing again. Uh, maybe not practice the – maybe the veterans play in the first game, and then once they get to train practice, the, the, the veterans practice in the, in the train practices, and then they don't play a lot if, if they don't play at all, maybe, in the preseason games. Yeah, keep that in mind now. Uh, there's only three, so how are they going to kind of navigate their way through these? Because a lot of players and a lot of fans, if there's like this polarizing discussion, mostly from the older side, it's like, you got to play these guys, they got to play right. preseason games. And the coaches, I mean, uh, McVay and the Rams, they don't play their guys at all in the preseason. So you're seeing more and more teams back off these preseasons and they utilize these practices, these joint practices as a way to get those guys. Because really, Adam, they can kind of stew down and distance the way that they want it. And that scenario might not come up in the playing time during the preseason game. Right. So, Mike, the way these are scheduled, I've seen these, I've seen them. Uh, I've seen a lot of negative schedules before. So what they do is they have Let's say they could have eight to ten different practice periods over an hour and a half to two hours. You could have goal line, red zone, two-minute offense, four minutes off offense, special teams, returns, kickoffs, punts, uh, field goal. You want field goals also. You want that. There's certain drills that you'll do. And now, depending on the team, Andy Reid believed in it. I know John Harbaugh does because I've been there when they when they hit. They'll hit in combined practices. So it just depends on on the team and what their philosophy is. Uh, so we'll, we'll, you know we, we may see some live drills, but typically they're no more than like five minutes. It's not like when I first covered the league in the early two thousands. You might have a live drill that's for twelve to fifteen minutes, which is saying a lot when it's hot out. So um, you don't you don't hit a lot. You have what's called the thud, where a guy gets elbowed, you use a shoulder to take the guy down, but you don't tackle, take the guy to the ground. But the advantages are very simple. You, you're you're getting a look at a different team that are not guys of of your own. And then, because what happens is the, most teams like doing them later. They don't like them doing them early in camp. They like to delay it a little bit because they want to, if you get two good weeks, three good weeks of practices in, you like to then practice against somebody else. It just, again, depends on your preseason schedule. But there's certain advantages, and Bill Belichick loves them. Nobody has more joint practices than the Patriots. They do them every year, typically with two teams. I don't know if they've done three, but they love having them. 
All right, Adam, uh, we're getting through the, the part of the summer where most uh, football minds are kind of adrift, but there was a lot of questions at the start of free agency in mid-March. You had Jason Kelsey. You didn't know what was going on there. Yeah. You had to try to think about who was going to replace him. You needed a wide receiver. You needed another tight end. You needed a lot of help on defense, some edge rushers, a tackle, a linebacker, a corner. Probably still need that safety. So where are we now with when this offseason started? Pro Football Focus just gave the Eagles an A- minus for their offseason. Uh, so they had all these questions. Where would we be at this stage of the offseason? Yeah, so, Mike, next week we're on Inside the Birds. We're going to break down offense, defensive rosters. This is, we love doing those shows. We, we do It's not like an autopsy, but it's basically <laughs> a review of kind of where the team is, where they've been, where they are, where, where they need to go. And what the depth looks like, what's the competition going to look We'll give an early look at the training camp competition, then we'll revise it once they've had the mandatory camp, because things may change, probably will change by the time we get to the mandatory camp. Because what will happen is not there, there, very little news comes out over the next four to six weeks, but what, what we like to find out from our sources is, okay, the rookie's in there in camp. Is he ahead of schedule, behind schedule? Is he what we call a high rep guy that needs a lot of reps to get it right, or does he really know what he's doing? That does mean a lot uh, because that what happens is you take it to to the mandatory camp, and then you hopefully build off that and take it to training camp. So that, that stuff's important. But when you go back to mid-March and then you go to mid-May where we are now, there, as we've said on, on Inside the Birds and we would talk about your show briefly over that time, they've had, they had a massive amount of needs going into free agency. And, and I understand... Free agency is always, not always, mostly about current needs. Rarely is it about future needs. There, It's rare that you get a, a Roddy McLeod, okay, or a Malcolm Jenkins. Those guys are rare. I mean, obviously they got those both right, but it's rare to find those type of players. So typically you're just trying to get through the season with these guys, the Anthony Harris's of the world, the Kaiser Whites of the world, though I'm told with him, they believe it could be more than a one-year situation. But let's get to offense. So the big question was an offense – was Jason Kelly coming back? Jason Kelsey coming back? Well, in all of our reporting, everything we had heard was that he was almost certain unless he changed his mind to come back. We didn't know what the contract would look like. By contract structure and payment and cash, it's he's the highest paid center in the NFL. Why? He had some leverage there. They 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 knew the Cam Jurgens. Like for instance, they didn't know that Cam Jurgens would be his eventual replacement. We'll get to him in a minute. But whoever they were going to bring in potentially, if Kelsey retired, they. It may not have been a guy that would be ready to go. So he, he had a lot of leverage, and they love him, obviously. He's got a real chance to be a, a pro football famer, Mike, someday. So they got that settled. That was really big for them. And by stru- contract, the contract structure of the old deal, they had till June 1st to, to come to an agreement uh, because he had a we, – we put out last year at this, at this time, he had a poison pill in his contract. So they got that resolved. And here was the other question. If if Kelsey came back, which he did, they probably would behoove them to to make a decision on who would be his future replacement. They made a decision it would not be Landon Dickerson, despite all the speculation. Look, we're, we're not going to lie to you. Last year, Mike, when he was drafted, and a lot of us thought he would be the eventual replacement. So we put on our show last, I think, June, that hold off on that. They want to see how Dickerson does once he gets healthy, and they don't want to screw with the left side. It's it's Mylotta and Dickerson. That's not going to be moved. And what then? Say Milo's back now. He's playing a new position at right guard. We'll 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 see how he does there. But the other question was on offense, Mike. That is how would they figure out his replacement? Would they get that guy in this draft? Would they sign a veteran free agent who was young enough to be 
Kelsey's replacement maybe play guard this year? Nope. They made a decision it was going to be Cam Jurgens, and that, that absolutely is the replacement. There's no there's that that much we know. He is the replacement for Kelsey. The question then would be: Is Kelsey going to come back for 23? We won't know that until the end of the season. And they're going to try to cross train Jurgens at guard. I know some offensive line coaches pretty well. I don't think he could play guard, although he's tall and athletic. They just don't know if he's strong enough. We'll have to we'll see. But the Eagles think he can. But those are two of the questions at offense. Uh, to get the strategy here, Mike, that they figured out. Yeah, and I know, um, I know one of the big conversations, you know, Jurgens is here, and as you said, he's the replacement. You don't take a guy in the second round and just hope he would be the guy. What mm-hmm. happens with the Driscoll Sayamala uh, in, in camp? You know, is there a favorite there? I think that's going to be something because Jurgens, I guess they'll they'll throw into that mix, but really, it should be between those two guys, right? Yeah, yeah, it. it I'm assuming they're going to open it up because it's an, if Samalo had played it before, it would not be an open competition. Samalo would be the guy, but because he's not played the position before and Driscoll has, you kind of have to open it up. No matter what they say, they got to kind of open this up. So I'd expect that to be a competition at camp. Uh, both have had injury histories of pretty pretty big significance. Uh, Driscoll's been hurt both of his years, but what they love about him is exactly why they drafted him. And he, he looks like that. He's going to be that guy who could play right tackle, could play right guard. Uh, um, uh, uh, he, he took snaps. I, I think he took snaps at center in training camp last year. I'm not hundred percent positive, but I remember talking to someone who said that was their plan. And then I know he did in college a little bit, but the fact of the matter is they love him. And then by the, by the way, there's another guy, Jack, Jack Anderson is a guy they absolutely love. They signed off the bills practice squad last year. The bills try to keep him. They were not happy that he signed with the Eagles. They wanted him, I'm told, to wait two weeks, and he said, nope, they're going to give me a chance to play. And remember, he did start the Cowboys game that meant nothing to the Eagles in week, uh, whatever that was, week 18, week 17. But um, the, the, the competition's going to be great in training camp. They've got that settled. Yeah, um, yeah, that's one I'm looking forward to. There's some more competition uh, as well. Adam Kaplan, Football at Four from Inside the Birds podcast and InsideTheBirds.com. Uh you got Zach Pascal here. They traded for AJ Brown, so that's going to be that was one of the big questions. They needed wide receiver. They brought in two. And they needed that tight end. Calcaterra, Richard Rogers is back, so uh, they tried to add some more weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I, I'm interested to see too. Like uh, Pascal, is he the guy that they're going to feel more comfortable with? Is that Quez Watkins? Do they want to say Rager uh, kind of win yeah. that job? I think that will be definitely uh, one of the big storylines. It is. It, it, it's so funny because all Eagle fans had been up in arms about the receiver position. The misses in the draft. Though Smith looks like he's going to be a stud. Who the hell know about AJ Brown, Mike? It's just so incredible. I, I don't know where you were when that when that trade happened. I was on television for Sports Grid, and my hair was on fire. I'm like, wow, you know, one of those things. Like, and they kept it quiet. Got to give the Eagles credit. And I've always been such a fan of his, and I've I've watched him practice for Titans campus. I was there in 2019. And I know. I just know how much they love A.J. Brown. Still kind of shocked by it. But, yeah, now now because you have A.J. Brown, okay, Quez Watkins definitely is a backup. Zach Pascal's a possession receiver who's there because he knows the offense. He's a tough guy, high character. Possession receiver, when you go when you go 11 personnel, he could be in there. Now they insist, <laughs> they insist Rager will be on the team. Okay, I'll, I'll believe that when we get to September. They're certainly not going to cut him. We reported this weeks ago. That will not happen under any circumstance. But, as far as trading them, I just I gotta believe they're gonna get some value for him at some point, but they won't give him away. That's probably why it hasn't happened. But okay, fine, he's on the roster, and then you have Greg Warders back, 
So it's just a rotation. I don't know it's so much competition, Mike. It's just a rotation. And the great thing is you've got A.J. Brown. He'll be – he's really what we call an X receiver, single-side receiver, but you can use him in motion. Smith will be their Z who can move everywhere. Of course, Watkins could play inside or outside. And he's a good vertical slot. Pascal is a – you can play him inside or outside. He's better inside. He's a tough guy, too. He'll make tough catches. See, what happened with him, Mike, last year is people, like, don't like him and all this. Fans don't. Got to understand, folks, he had to play a lot because of Paris Campbell's injury. They also had another injury at receiver. So he got him into a position he was not comfortable with. If you leave bench players on the bench and only let them play limited snaps, they're probably going to be pretty good in that role. So that's the way they see the receiver position. All right. Uh, and then over on defense, there's so many. I, I, you mentioned Kaiser White, and he was a guy that I, I was excited about the signing. I thought that was, how does he fit in with N'Kobe Dean and TJ Edwards, and you've got Davion Taylor. I think uh, what where White is, I mean, we're talking about questions that they had back at the beginning of training uh, all season. Well, they signed White. Okay, that's a nice signing. Now what? Yeah, so they're going to be a nickel team, whether it's 5-2, 3-4, and then 5-back. Whatever you want to call it, they're going to have five, They're going to have only two linebackers on the field a majority of the time. Those linebackers should be, if healthy, N'Kobe Dean, Kaiser White. It, when they're in goal line or, or in their team, like when they play the Titans, that's when T.J. Edwards could be on the field a lot. Uh, Davion Taylor, uh, he's been hurt. We, what we're told is this tape looked really good before his – MCL sprain that he suffered last season, but Nicobe Dean is really good, like a really good football player. I just I don't see any way that Taylor's going to beat out White or Dean. And just my sense, based on what I'd heard at the time of the signing of White, they really feel he could, this could be more of a one, more than a one year relationship. But obviously he's got to play well. And look, the other thing is Mike, the start for agency, their depth they had no depth at linebacker. Now they've got it: White, Edwards, Dean, Taylor. Those four, when you're only going to play two, that's all you really need. Jacoby Stevens is still trying to play linebacker. He's a long shot. Uh, and then, now obviously, when they go with their pass rush package, Hassan Reddick will be on the field. That, that you know, it, it just depends on is he is Hassan Reddick going to play 60% of the time, 40% of the time? I couldn't tell you. Hmm. That We don't know enough about him. We know he's going to be, he's there to rush the passer, do nothing else but rush the passer. And there might be weeks he plays 70%. There might be some weeks he plays 40%. We don't know yet. His amount of snaps is just going to be dependent on depth, uh, down and distance. Are they blowing a the team out? Do they need, are they, are they, are they situation where they're up big and they just want him to rush passer? We don't know that yet. We know he's a strong side linebacker. We know they're going to play some 34, which means he play outside linebacker in the 34. But when they go against power teams where you just want you know, run game guys on there, that's where Jordan Davis comes into play. And that's where T.J. Edwards comes into play. Well, they definitely have a lot of options. And uh, one guy they did bring back, Derek Barnett, uh, definitely yeah. intrigued by. Can he? Can they? I don't know. I mean, uh, what kind of role does he have? Do they just kind of use him? And does he give you more as a scaled back guy as opposed to an every down player? I think that's going to be something uh, that, you know, they brought him back and people weren't all that thrilled with it. But I think it was kind of a savvy <laughs> move. You know what? They know the player. I, I, take the, I have to take... <laughs> Nick Sirianni added his word that Derek Barnett is a smart player, though it's dumb penalties. I think it drove Eagle fans out of their minds when Sirianni had that quote. But he's with them every day. We're not, and we'll just take him at his word. But they, what they really need to do is add two, and they added one. Will they resign Barnett? Okay. Now, if they're if they're running a lot of thirty-four, will he have to be a stand-up linebacker? Aren't they too short to play the? Uh, 
he added a five technique and a three four. That's just not what he can do. But he could be a decent stand up linebacker. Boy, Reddick, I've always felt he'd be great as a as a uh, thirty four outside linebacker. Now, when they play, if they're playing a forty three, Reddick will Reddick will be the strong side linebacker. If they're playing five two, um, maybe he's not on the field so much. See, that's another thing. We don't. I, we we talk on inside the birds. We talked. We we put this on a show a couple months ago, but we we. We talked to people who know Gannon well, and they said that he didn't run quite the defense that he wanted to. He ran some of it, but there, there were just because of personnel issues. Well, because of the addition of Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Kaiser White, Hassan Reddick, at least their front seven, Mike, they've had significant pieces. There's just really no excuse now that you can't be multiple, and yeah. that's really what I think will be the season. A lot of changes, as we chronicled, where they started this offseason and where they are now. Football at 4, Adam Kaplan. Check out more Inside the Birds podcast. Drops Thursday, 6 a.m. Uh, and, of course, you can check out InsideTheBirds.com. More Sports Bash and, of course, Football at 4 tomorrow. Moshe's back. Uh, Adam will be back on Friday's show, and uh, we'll talk more football then adam take care bud you got it, thanks all right adam's back on friday most is here tomorrow andrew on uh thursday more sports bash here on this tuesday edition we got the conference finals tonight we got headlines on the way we got michael caskey blow main little mkb what should the sixers do with james harden situation what's the best and worst case scenarios mkb today we'll talk a little sixers we got the headlines next Plus the PT at 5 o'clock tonight for a little Tuesday with Thompson. Don't go away. More Sports Bash coming up. Now, back to the Sports Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ESPN. All right, uh, headline, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. There's a, uh, there's a bunch of interesting stories out of here. Uh, two are on my list today, but uh, see what you got for me. Two! Two made my list today. Well, how about this? I'll give you two and you give two. How about that? Maybe I'll like yours better. Or maybe I'll like yours better. How about that? Find out. So, for those who don't know, Phil Mickelson will not be participating in the 2022 PGA Championship, to which Rory McIlroy had something to say about it. He described it as sad and disappointing. McIlroy said, quote, this should be a celebration, right? He won the major championship at 50 years old. It was possibly his last big, big moment in the game of golf. I think he should be here this week, and the golf world should be celebrating what a monumental achievement last year was, McElroy said. Tiger Woods also went on to say that it's always disappointing when a defending champion is not here. Phil has said something I think a lot of us who are committed to the tour and committed to the legacy of the tour have pushed back against, and he's taking some personal time, and we all understand that, said Tiger Woods. This Phil Mickelson thing is like, you ever see um, Boogie Nights? Mm-hmm. Like Dirk Diggler is on top of the world, and then all of a sudden his life just gets like dark and takes a turn that you're just like, what happened to this guy? I feel <laughs> like, like he's what like, happened to this movie? Jeez, <laughs> like... Phil Mickelson, like, what happened, dude? 
Like, this was one of the most beloved players on the tour. Right. And now, he's just, he's just turned into a complete punchline. He turned into a ghost, basically. Now, the PGA basically said that him not being there is actually the elephant in the room and that they would have rather have him been there to defend the championship than him not be there no matter what he said. Yeah, I, I don't understand like how he just absolutely ghosted and just said, I'm, I'm done. I don't know. Well, Seth Wall, who's the CEO of the PGA of America, said that, quote, look, no one was more excited than us last year when Phil had his epic win, right? It's amazing. He's done something nobody else has ever done by winning a major at 50. It was one of the great moments of golf, and we'll never sort of forget that on any level. We certainly were looking forward to him to defending, but he's not here. It's his choice, unquote. Yeah, it's not like he's been banned. Right. Yeah, this situation with him and the and the other tour, the Saudis, like apparently Jack Nicholas said that this the the um, the other golf tour offered him a hundred million dollars to be the spokesman of it, and Jack was like, "Yeah, no thanks." So this whole thing is becoming a, a very strange, and Phil is like right in the centerpiece of it. Yeah, well, believe me, it, this is definitely the guy was the, the defending champion. He won a major at fifty. 50. And he's not there. Go out because, on top. Showmanship. Uh, I wouldn't. By the way, um, for those who don't know, Tiger Woods. We hear the Tiger Woods pairing on day one. I saw it's him, Rory, and Spieth, right? Yeah. Talk about a super pairing. Yeah. Don't believe me. Um, I'm looking forward to this. This weekend, right? That is this weekend. We'll have the Correct. final round coverage. On 97.3 ESPN. I, my weekends are all messed up. I didn't know if it was this weekend or not. Because uh, this weekend is also the Preakness, right? I thought that was next weekend. I mean, if the Preakness is this weekend, I had no idea. <laughs> I told you. But I have to look up how, what the, what the Preakness is this year. Preakness is... It might help if I could spell Preakness. Just a little bit. Yeah, Preakness. P-R-E. Got it? Yep. Uh, it is, come on, just tell me the date. See, this is the thing with Google sometimes. <laughs> I don't have a lot of problems with it. I literally just typed in 2022 Preakness Stakes, and it didn't give me a date. Okay, May 21st. May 21st. First thing that came up on my screen. No, I typed in 2022 Preakness Stakes, and yep. it didn't give me the date. I had to type in date. No, to get I just wrote Preakness 2022. It says a big... Bold letters. Saturday, May 21st, 2022 at Pimlico Racecourse. All I got was stories about the Preakness because Google apparently hates me. My Google is the same Google as yours and mine's got the date right in front of my face. It's this Saturday. Deshaun Watson. By the way, I don't care that it's this Saturday. That's that's usual in my mind. Well, the the, uh, Rich Stakes is out. Yeah, he's not going to run because apparently... The plan all along was for him not to run in the Preakness, whether he won the Kentucky Derby or not. Hey, good for them to stick to it, but I'm sure the Preakness, uh, the the um, NBC is probably thrilled. Yeah. Well, I, who's who's less thrilled, NBC or the Preakness? The, like the people well, in the Belmont the it knows they're not going to get a Triple Crown opportunity now. Well, apparently he's going to run in the Belmont. I, yeah, I but read. you're getting a horse that you know is not going to win the Preakness, so you have no chance at a, at a triple crown. Although, this is like when the Cubs won the World Series, mm-hmm. 
that ended the mystique of like all the mystiques in baseball. Right. You know, the curse of the Bambino went away. The curse of the Billy Goat, that went away. And now too many horse, like when you won the triple crown for the first time in all those years, now that's kind of out the window too. It's kind of lost its luster. All right. Let me give you my other story. Then we can get your two. Uh, Deshaun Watson's in the news today for two reasons. One, because he's meeting with the NFL today. The NFL is determining if he violated the personal conduct policy. And part of their investigation is a direct interview with him that is happening today in Texas. So is this like to try to clear him to to see if he's going to get suspended or not? Well, they're trying to get his side of the story. Basically, as part of the investigation. Normal. So, it's about time. It's only taken two years. Well, here's the problem. You're going to be waiting longer. The other piece of news is all 22 civil suits are now being pushed back to 2023. According to Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports, the attorney representing the 22 women, Tony Busby, and Watson's attorney, Rusty Hardin, have not been able to come to an agreement on multiple issues. The result is they have agreed to push the proceedings back to potentially March of 2023. There is a agreed upon moratorium on all the cases moving forward. Now, apparently, one of the biggest hangups, aside from the location of the court and the vacation schedules for Busby and Harding not matching up with these court cases, which I think is the dumbest reason of all of these. There is a issue with the presentation of the cases in the court. Sources say that Busby is considering... It's all just too technical for me. I mean, give me the meat and the potatoes of this story. I am giving you the meat and potatoes. Well, this meat sucks and these potatoes are mushy. Okay, fine. I'll stop reading. The point is is that... Yes, give me the point. What's going on here? The fiasco is going to continue. You're not going to have a resolution. So is he going to be... Is he in danger of being suspended? He is in danger of being suspended still because he has ongoing cases against him is part of the issue. But the reason why he's on good cases is because his own lawyer can't get along with the other lawyer who's suing him. It's normal play. Stupid. Of course it is, but that's what happens to this. This isn't like a like a uncommon thing here that these guys can't that's why the legal proceedings take forever. This thing's been going on for two years now. It's an embarrassment. That's why I think it is. I think the whole thing has been an embarrassment. Well, of course. I mean, how the league has no resolution on this yet is ridiculous. Apparently, whenever the cases do get tried in 2023, it will stretch out for six to eight weeks in the court. Just think about that. This happened last year before the season started. Last spring. Right. Before the season started, he had these charges. He didn't play at all last year. He's now on a new team, and he still hasn't been tried on any of this. Now, the civil case got thrown out. The legal, the criminal case. Criminal case, sorry. The civil case is still hanging out. Right. But he has no criminal charges against him. Right. All, all All 11 criminal charges have been thrown out. But all 22 civil cases are still continuing... And it's a disaster. All right, my stories are uh, a little bit more clear and concise than that one there. Okay. Say so. The Phoenix Suns got eliminated the other day. Did you see this? They got eliminated. Right. 
and had to put out a statement to their fans apologizing for their poor play. Have you ever seen such a thing? Wait, they issued a statement apologizing? They apologized to uh, their fans. Today is a new day for Phoenix Suns fans. The work on next season is already underway. As employees, fans, partners, and PayPal six-man members of the Phoenix Suns, you should be proud of what you have helped the team and our organization accomplish. For three straight seasons, we have been raising the bar on expectations and accomplishments that wouldn't have been possible without the incredible support from the best fans in the NBA, some of whom have been with us since the start in 1968. With greater success and expectation comes deeper disappointment. That's natural. Just know we all share in it, and our organization won't be satisfied until we bring an NBA championship to the Valley. We're in this together. We win together. We lose together. We fight together. And the only way we get better is together. Thank you for supporting us all season as we look ahead to the start of a new chapter. Is that too much? It's definitely too much. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard a team do. Like, what? You, why are you apologizing? I mean, do you really feel that guilty? Like, what, what's going on here? They were embarrassed. Well, the Sixers didn't apologize. No, that's why, I'm, that's why this is a story. Nobody, if I ever who's, see a team apologize. Who, whose loss is more embarrassing, the Suns or the Sixers? Of course, the Suns. They got beat on their home court. They won 60-plus games. They got, they, were, they got walloped. Sixers lost on their home court. They weren't the favorite. They weren't the one seed. Okay, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, what's other uh, story? My other story is, uh, is it acceptable that Brooks Kepka, Kepka was late for his press conference today after locking his keys in his car. I feel like this is a conversation that you and PT are going to have to have a conversation about. At right. Is this an acceptable excuse? I mean, is it an acceptable excuse? Technically, no, but maybe. I mean, first of all, all right, I have so many questions for this, but give, give me more details here. You have any locked more details? Locked his keys in his car. I think the car was running. Ooh, okay, that's not good. My question is, like, did he drive his own car? Is it a rental car? Is it a friend's car? Because there's a lot of cars today that it's not an actual key. It's a key fob. And the car won't let you leave without the fob. So, like, what kind of car is a rich guy like Brooks Kepka driving that he would lock his keys in a running car? Like... I remember I did that once, but this was like 15, 16 years ago. He was an hour late. Like, what kind of car is he driving? That's what I want to know. He uh, addressed it. He explained that he was late. He said, quote, it wasn't my fault. I don't know how the keys locked inside the car. And it was running. Apparently. On another note, it's $18 for a uh, Michelob beer at the PGA. No, thanks. I'm out on that. Uh, Michael Kasky Blomain talks a little bit about the Sixers' upcoming issues. The biggest one, what does MKB think the Sixers need to do with James Harden next? Now, for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, 446 Sports Bash uh, PT in the next hour for a Tuesday with Thompson. So I have the explanation from Kepka. You want to hear it? Sure, but I got a feeling it might not be a good one. So Kepka was an hour late for his press conference today. The reason was that he locked his keys in his car. Now, you believe that's an unacceptable answer. I mean, unless I have some, like, really important detail, like there's a, there was a good reason why that, because in today's world, with the car technology and... Oh, oh, we don't know what kind of car it was. Well, okay, if, if he's driving, like, a 69 Mustang, all right, I... Well, I mean, come on, we get a car going back to what year? I don't know, when did the, like, my car will make a noise, Yours is what, 2011? 2012, uh, 2011 I'm driving right now. Okay. I'm looking to upgrade if you know somebody. I've heard of people, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll talk off. I like my car. I'm not like uh, dying to get out of it. But all right, so Kepka was an hour late today, mm-hmm. and he did address this at the start of his press conference today. He was kind of pushed a little bit by, I guess, whoever the the guy was who was running the press conference. This is his explanation. You ready? Sure. Can we go ahead and begin with why you're an hour late for your news conference? (laughs) That wasn't my fault. That was Jeff Pierce's fault. What happened? I watched him unlock the car, start the car, then he went grabbed the bag, put it in the trunk, shut the trunk, and I went in and I grabbed a hat, walked right out, and then the car was locked. So I don't know how the keys locked inside the car with and locked. I, I, it boggles me. I didn't think a car was supposed to do that, but apparently it does. So that is why I'm an hour late. There you go. So why don't we go ahead and begin with... That acceptable of an answer. So the guy started the car. Well, first of all, he's blaming somebody else. Well, he didn't... Start- he didn't turn the car on. Somebody else did. Jeff Pearson, whoever that guy is. Whoever that guy is. Right. So he said he started the car, uh-huh. and then he shut the door to go, like, put something in the trunk. Right. But he didn't... See, so, I don't think my car will lock. Yeah, my car doesn't lock either. Now, I have a newer car, but... Look at you, fancy. Happy birthday. Ah, well, I would New car for this guy. I wouldn't. I would, it's not fancy. Trust me. Um, it's more about necessity than anything else. But it, it, it. This sounds like he's trying to blame somebody else for something that might be his fault. I don't know about that. Why is that? Well, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kepka probably doesn't drive himself. He probably has someone that handles that for him. Okay, so well, I can that, totally understand. That's the under- detail we need, though. I so don't I, have that detail. Well, he said Jeff Pearson. Yeah, but wh- do you what think was... Kepka drives himself to, from the hotel to the thing? Well, a lot of guys drive themselves around. They have nice cars they want to drive. Not when they're on. The, I mean, they don't drive their own car to the golf course. It's not like he's at his his house is around the corner and he takes his car out for a spin. So, he's so in a place where he needs to rent a car. Right, what, what is this guy's name again? Who Brooks Kepka? No, the Jeff guy. Jeff Pearson. All right. I'm going to look up who is Jeff Pearson. 
That's the name. I pre- let me put. Why you're an hour late for your news conference. <laughs> That wasn't my fault. That was Jeff Pierce's fault. Jeff Pierce is his name. Jeff Pierce. So whoever Jeff Pierce is, I'm imagining is somebody that's a part of his entourage. I mean, it's not like Brooks Kepka got in his own personal car and drove from wherever he lives to the PGA Championship. So he doesn't have his own car there. He's probably driving a rental car to which you don't know. You know, sometimes you drive a rental car. You're not 100%. But that being said. Jeff Pierce is his putting coach. There you go. So it's a coach of his. Yeah, not a driver. So so he's not. there's no guarantee here that Pierce was driving the car. Well, he turned the car on. Well, I mean, you know, we've all had people, hey, go turn the car on. Yeah, then, nah, then I drive. Yeah, come on. That's a little far-fetched. I, I, th- I think you're trying to stick up for Brooks Kepka. What is he? I'm not trying to money? stick up for him. My point is I don't think Kepka's driving himself. He's got somebody who probably drives him. But what what information do you have about Kepka that he doesn't drive? I don't. I'm just taking it from the lens of most of these guys have a driver or they somebody do? drives. Yeah, they're not driving their own car. Why do you assume that? Uh, I'll ask other people. No, don't take my assumption then. Why would I assume that? Well, I asked Pete Thompson when PT's on. How about the people out there? How many people think Kepka was the driver? And how many people think that he probably had somebody drive him? I mean, I see professional athletes drive themselves all the time. Yeah. From their house to the arena, which is in the town they live in. This guy's in Tulsa, Oklahoma right now. Do you think he had his own car with him? Well... Probably not, All right. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that someone's driving him. Well, when they get the rent-a-car, I'm sure Kepka probably says, hey, pick up the rent-a-car, come get me, yada, yada, yada. He probably said to the guy, hey, you got to pick me up or whatever. I, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say most of these high-profile guys are probably not jumping in the uh, Nissan Sentra and driving from Wherever I they doubt are, it's a Nissan well, I mean, Come he's got on. a rent a car. Who knows? Well, unless he's got some high end rent a car. I mean, most of the time, you can give me a rent a car. Jeff Pierce, go pick up the rent a car and then come pick me up. If he would have come out in the press conference and said Jeff Pierce is fault because he was supposed to be driving me, and well, he kind of says, "All right, let's play it again," and just so in case we missed a detail here. Begin with why you're an hour late for your news conference. <laughs> that wasn't my fault. That was Jeff Pierce's fault. What happened? I watched him unlock the car, start the car. Then he went, grabbed the bag, put it in the trunk, shut the trunk. And I went in and I grabbed a hat, walked right out, and then the car was locked. So I don't know how the keys locked inside the car with and lock. I, I, it boggles me. I didn't think a car was supposed to do that, but apparently it does. All right, so there's a lot of indication here that he's not the driver. Well, you're assuming that. Well, he said. He unlocked the car, he started it, he put something in the trunk. Right, he now, basically told this guy, go get the bags, pack the car, turn the car on, and drive me. But he never said that. He never said, Jeff Pierce drove me. He didn't, but I'm going to make the assumption that Kepka probably didn't drive himself to Also, if it's the a event. rental car... So, where's Pierce going? Yeah, where's he in all this? 
No, I'm asking you. This guy started the car. Right. Now where's he going? He's going to be in the car with him. He's not driving? Why not? He doesn't have to drive. Well, why is he starting the car then? Because sometimes people start cars for each other. I don't start somebody else's car. You've never had a buddy be like, hey, man, can you go start the car for me when we get going? No. But see, now, now you're taking your personal experience and projecting it onto this situation. I'm just going to say Kepka probably wasn't the driver. He or should have said that. No intention of it. He, he pretty much did. He said Pierce started the car. He didn't say he drove it. Nobody did. The keys were locked in the car. <laughs> Nobody drove the car. The keys got locked. How did they get locked? Pierce started the car and locked it. So I think we have pretty good evidence that Pierce was the intended driver. Well, whether if Pierce was the driver, he's never driving again. Well, people lock their keys in the car. I've done it before. I actually have a key locked in my car story with Pete Thompson. I've done it too. But that was like 15 years ago. Doesn't matter when. It's happened. You locked your keys in your car. I locked my keys in my car with it running one time with Pete Thompson. We'll tell you that story. Well, I asked PT who he thinks was supposed to drive the car. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. At 5 o'clock, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. So we were talking about this Brooks Kepka story. I wonder if Pete Thompson's aware of the story. Because he would be somebody good to bring in and help us out with this one. I don't know if you're aware of the story. It's a uh, Tuesday with Thompson. Pete Thompson's here. The PT is in the house. It's brought to you by Philly Sports Trips. If you're a diehard Philly fan like the PT, who's looking for some great Philly sports road trips, it's time to check out the full trip lineup at phillysportstrips.com. All right, Peter. So are you aware of this Brooks Kepka story? I wasn't until I was in the car and I heard you and Josh talking about it. And that that was one of those things where I started talking back to the radio. You oh. know, you guys can't hear me, but I'm talking back. Well, luckily uh, for you, you're talking back to the radio. And now you have the platform to uh, inter, you know interject, if you will. So Kepka is an hour late for his press conference today. He locks his keys in the car. Now... He's blaming the other guy, it sounds like, and Josh is saying, well, why is he, who's, who locked the keys? I said, well, he didn't drive himself. I mean, there's that guy. Right. So who drove the car? Well, first and foremost, uh, most tournaments provide courtesy cars, okay? So it's sort of like a free rental, right? When you're on the PGA Tour, you're not, yes. you're not driving your own car. You're not driving a buddy's car. But Josh had an excellent point, and I give him credit. Most of these cars these days, it's impossible. No, no, we both your, agree. We both agree on that portion. We both yeah. agree that, like, normally locking your keys in your car is a thing of the past because it makes a noise. It won't let you all that stuff. So locking your keys in the car sounds like an excuse, but he has like you know he's like, hey, we're here. The car's in the. He says so. Pierce turns the car on. Yeah. And yeah, then he put it all on his putting coach. Right. And so and it's not even his fault. Right. So Josh is saying he's blaming this other guy, but how do we know it's that guy's fault? I said, well, Kepka's not driving himself. Right. 
Right. Somebody usually drives you there. I mean, and that's, well, although Tiger Woods was driving when Tiger Woods got in the accident, he was driving a courtesy Genesis. That was the car that he was driving when uh, he was flying down the road that time. So, so where was he? It does when, when he got, it's not like I'm on the PGA Tour. I'm not going to drive. Well, when he got into the accident, Tiger Woods, he was going to a golf event? He was going to a media shoot. Like it was right after the Genesis Invitational. He still had one of the Genesis courtesy cars, uh-huh. right? And he was going from either hotel back to a golf course. And believe yeah. it or not, interestingly enough, this ties into our topic. Tiger Woods was running late. So therefore, he had the pedal to the metal, if you will. And he was going a little bit uh, harder than, right. than usual so on a road he was unfamiliar with. The fact that Pierce. Turn the car on. Does that not implicate that he was the driver to you? No, I think anybody could turn the car on. Like, you know, hey, go out and start the car. And, you know, I mean, and that's the other thing, too. Uh, People don't uh, pick up their own. They don't get up their own golf clubs. Like, uh, you know, if you're a tour pro, you're not picking up the bag. You might strain your back or. God forbid, or something like. I mean, it's like it's like being in Major League Baseball versus Minor League Baseball, right? Minor League Baseball, you pick up your own bags, and you know you, you uh, you're carrying your own stuff, and then you get to the pros, and you never reach over and pick up a bag. Well, same kind of thing. So if if he was working with his putting coach, or his putting coach was with him, he said, "Okay, let's go." He said, "This was a quote." I watched him unlock the car, start the car, grab the bag, put it in the trunk, shut the trunk. I went in to grab a hat, and when I walked back out, the car was locked. I don't know how that happens; it boggles me. But, yeah, you know, uh, the bigger thing is, I mean, I guess did he reach out to somebody and say he was going to be late, or did he just show well, up? He, late? I think. Well, he put a video on Twitter and tagged oh, the PGA Tour to say and said, late. "Look, we're <laughs> locked. We're locked out here," and he's like trying to pull the handle, and nothing's happening here. And then they considered they were going to use an Uber, but that wouldn't help because you also need the clubs. I mean, you and I. Well, the uh, car's still running. Just, my girlfriend just brought this up the other day. You and I have an infamous lock the keys in the car story. I told that before you came on. I said I had an incident where we locked the keys in my car with the car running. Now, the car was running, if you remember, in the garage. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, make sure you don't close the garage door or we wouldn't be here today. But right. Yeah, no, and we were going to the TROP, I think, right, for that top of the TROP event or whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, I, didn't I have, did I have to have Susan drive back so she could bring my car back? Or how did we How did we pull that off? I, I for, know I ultimately drove. Yeah, you so left your car at we home. were driving my car. I was driving a Durango at the time. And this is like, you know, prior to 2010. So it didn't make the noises and all that stuff. So the car's running and you know, like you're in the garage and I think like you're like trying to get out of the car and like, you know, the the door like kind of shuts by accident and it's like, uh, why didn't we have a second set of keys since we were at your house? I don't know. I probably only had one set. I lost the other pair. I don't know. But, you know, and then remember, or we were, maybe the second set was like in your uh, golf bag. Well, we're fuming. Or... We're fuming because at the time, you know, I'm like, well, like my girlfriend's at the time is not even offering to drive me. She sees them. We're fuming. We need to be somewhere. We're all dressed up. Like we're all like in right. nice clothes. And it's not like she's like, oh, you know, I'll drive you guys. Don't worry. Like we had a chill. Try to find another. Oh, way she didn't. She didn't move. I remember no, that. No. I also remember. And again, this is your uh, ex girlfriend, not your current girlfriend. But I also remember that it was one of those hot, humid days where all I wanted to do was be in air conditioning somewhere. And for whatever reason, your 
girlfriend at the time was freezing. We were melting and she was freezing. So she didn't even have the air on in the house. And then I, you know, I wasn't going to stand in a hot garage. So I, I believe that what we did was I think I went and waited in my car with the air conditioning running until we decided <laughs> that we were going to drive my car yeah. to the thing. Well, now, now, let me tell you. So do you think Kepka... Maybe we drove my car and then Susan took it back. That could be. Yeah. Do you think it's Kepka... Been that long ago. Do you think Kepka was really driving himself there with his putting coach or do you think his putting coach is at fault here? Well, first and foremost, golf is the one sport where you can't be late. You know what I mean? Like that's for your tee time and things like that. You know, that that's, you know, and, and I'll be honest, Gil, I, I almost missed a tee time one time in Nebraska after I'd had one too many pops. But I have I've been late for a lot of things in my life. I have never missed a golf tee time, you know. So I've I just missed one. I have a picture of the day that you and I were locked out of my car. Oh, yeah, we do. We still have that. Well, later on in the day, things got a lot better. You know, uh, we met uh, a bunch of people were there. Uh, I rode uh, the uh, elevator with Fred Barnett. Right. That's where we met Fred Barnett for the first time. What a great guy he was. So I'm going to tweet this out. Here's a photo of the night we locked (laughs) the keys in my car. We locked, I locked the keys in the car. I'm not going to blame you for that one. Well, thank you. I'm not your putting coach either. Although I did line you up the other day for media days. Right, but... If I was playing, if I was playing in a big golf event, I wouldn't well, be driving. This is, it's on, this is on Kepka, no matter what. I mean, no matter who he tries to blame it on or what he tries to blame it on. How is it on Kepka? Because it's it's he's the he's the guy. He, it's his responsibility to get there. You, you, it's that line of Billy Madison. You find that bleeping dog. You find a way to get there. You know. Wait a second. No, you find a way to get there. The thing about taking an Uber to the course, but it wouldn't work because the clubs were still in the car. Brooks, you don't need your damn clubs to do a press conference. Take the Uber, get to the golf course, get your butt to the press conference, and then your putting coach can come later with the clubs and the car and whatever. Well, you could say that he should have told his putting coach, hey, sorry, dude, you locked the keys in the car. I got to get there. You figure out how to fix this yourself because you did this. Yeah. But I got to go. Exactly. So so to me, it's he should not have been late. You know, it's that uh, means a lot coming from someone who's always late. (laughs) I'm not always late. I was early for my birth. I've been early for a few lunches lately. You know, I'd like a point, please. Arf, arf. (laughs) <laughs> Throw me my biscuit. <laughs> I'd like my cookie. Yeah. I did hear Josh talk about that pairing too. What an unbelievable pairing of Tiger and Rory and Jordan Spieth. Uh, yeah. that, that's that's outstanding. And Tiger says his knees feeling better. Uh, they got one with Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, and Colin Morikawa. That's going to be good. Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Thomas. That should be good. So, so PT. You know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, this weekend is the PGA. We'll have the uh, final round coverage on 97.3 ESPN Sunday, 2 o'clock. What do you think of this whole Phil thing? I mean, they want him to play. He's not playing. Rory says he should be here. This whole thing. This guy said he's turned into Dirk Diggler. 
It's really sad is what it is. Uh, what do I think of it? I, I think that uh, Phil, first of all, needs to learn the concept of on the record, off the record. I mean, I think he thought that he was having a conversation with Alan Shipnick that was not going to get out. And Alan's a respected journalist. And I, I know he's told him on more than one occasion, like, look, I'm like, you're going to say this is on the record. Or I'm going to record this or however, however they're going to handle that. And, and the comments that he made, it it wasn't, I, I think early on, if he just had backed off a little of his comments but he was so headstrong of trying to send a message to the pga tour that there's a better way to do things that he used the wrong uh topic to try and drive his point home you know you you can't use somebody's death as a reason to then just sort of casually gloss that over and and this story won't go away i mean uh, greg norman also said uh, he said something like well we've all made mistakes and the people out there that are, that are, you know, the family of that journalist that was killed or or other people are like, mistakes. <laughs> a mistake is when you lock the key and tease the car. A mistake <laughs> is not when you take somebody out. Like, so, I mean, it just, uh, the, the story that Josh referred to as well, where Jack Nicholas was offered $100 million to be the face of this tour to essentially do what um, Greg Norman ended up doing. And he turned it down twice. He turned it down once in writing, and then he turned it, they called him once as well. And Here's the thing that people don't remember. Jack Nicholas, like back in the day, the PGA of America, which is, you know, this is the PGA championship, right? That all consisted of club pros, right? So, you know, over here at Atlantic City Country Club, you had Sonny Frazier, right? You had different club pros around the country, and they would sometimes play in tournaments for money and et cetera, et cetera. Jack Nicholas led the drive to form the PGA Tour itself in the late or in the 60s so i mean he was a driving force in that you can't no amount of money was going to get him to go sign on for that thing and you saw that you know the pga tour came out pretty strongly and said if anybody uh tries to go play in the saudi event and then you know geez gill you hear stuff like mickelson like lost 40 million dollars gambling or something like that it's just i mean i think about how excited i was that he won last year uh at kiowa for you know a 50 year old to to win at that age and i was so excited for him and everybody was on board and i mean he has he's lost every sponsor he's you know i still think we're we're in a tear him down build him back up society so i still think that there's a place for him to come back at some point but he clearly isn't ready all right uh, so that's this weekend there for that now um somebody texted in uh they're listening on the app jeff and marmora he said first on the PGA Tour events, isn't the player's car provided them by sponsors? Yes, that we've established. It's not a rent a car. In fact, when it's courtesy cars yeah. by whoever, like if it's a Buick Invitational yeah. or it's the Genesis Invitational. In this case, I'm sure that the PGA of America provides cars. Yes. I don't know what kind they are. I can tell you, their when I I have coached baseball teams to the World Series three times, and we get courtesy cars as coaches that they provide for us for the week. So I'm imagining right. the PGA also provides a courtesy car <laughs> that they don't have yeah, to get they're a, a little, They're a little higher up. Yeah. Two. He says the remote starting a car and using the remote to unlock the trunk and throwing the keys in the trunk with the bag will, in fact, lock you out. Do we think that's what happened? Yeah. So, well, it sounds like it doesn't say that the car was running. I, I didn't he see He said that the car was running. The guy. Oh, no. See, this is where he said. Well, but OK, OK. So maybe he put the keys in the trunk, shut the trunk. Right. And then the car was running because the fob's close enough to make it run. But well, once you start the car, my question is, how did the car lock? (laughs) 
<laughs> Meanwhile, if Susan's listening to this, my girlfriend, this is like her number one fear, locking the keys in the car. And anytime How about- right now, I, I have a newer vehicle, but it's still it still has a key. But anytime, like, you know, she'll go out and st- if she's the one first out, she'll leave the door, like the driver's side door, a crack open. She won't close it all the way, even when it's like 10 degrees. And I'm like, woman, like we're trying to heat the car up inside. But she's so worried. I've never heard of such a thing. And now Josh is raising his hand saying he does the same thing. He leaves the car open a crack. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Now, the other day I was at Ocean Casino, right? I I parked at Ocean Casino. I'm getting out out of the parking lot. I'm in my car. I'm getting out a lot, and I see a guy with like a, a like a 1990s like clothes hanger, like trying to get into his car, like trying to pull the lock. Oh up. my god! Oh my god! Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> did this guy lock his keys in the car, and then like somebody's helping him get it out. Like you don't see that anymore. Like you would go to the police and be like, hey, I, and they like they won't help you do it anymore. It was funny. Back in the day, you could go, you know. BT, you're muted. All right. No, no good. Hang on. How about now? Yeah. Nope. You got me? Yes. Nope. Dang it. You can see the emblem on the screen that says whether your microphone's on or not. Hang on, hang on. You're fine. Oh, now I'm good? Yes. All right. Well, I bumped the mic. What do you want from me? It's a loose connection. Anyhow, uh, I was talking about the fact that, um, yeah, they used to have a Slim Jim. I mean, that's what they, that that was the tool. Yeah, so I got a story for you. The problem was is that the criminals had them more than the cops did. Yeah, so when I I was like, I don't know. Oh, I was also going to add, his car's got more sophisticated. If you shoved a Slim Jim in there and, and you were trying to unlock it, you know, you were doing more damage to the door than you were actually, you know, you might get into the car, yeah. but then you foobarred the door for a while. So then they were like, that's a liability. Right. So what I used to deliver uh, subs back before, you know, I was, <laughs> when I was in college, yeah, right? Yeah, the good old days. Yeah. So when, before, when I was in college, I was delivering. Didn't somebody steal one of your cars once? No, but <laughs> I was delivering to the beach, right? So it's right. it's packed out. We're going to you know you. It's the worst when someone orders food on the beach and you have to stand yeah. up there like a complete schmuck, like standing <laughs> with a bag in your hand, like yeah, sandwich. You, you know, like don't order food on the beach. Just go get it yourself. All right, you lazy ass. <laughs> so anyway, so you're standing up there, right? And there's all these kids walking around the street. So and you know you're trying to get these deliveries out as fast as you can. So you park the car, the doors open, you're standing up there, sandwich, blah, 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 you know. Well, these little kids are walking down the street. What do they do? The door's open. They shut the door. Great. The door is now closed, locked. The car's running. The sandwiches for the rest of the deliveries are in there. <laughs> so now I'm a block from the police station, so I sprint to the police station. Hey, man, I'm delivering. You know, can you help me? Some kid shut the car, and I need you to open it. He says, well, we don't do that anymore. So they call the place and rat me out. Hey, your delivery guy locked himself out of the car. <laughs> I was like, this SOB. Uh, was this in Ventnor? Yeah, Ventnor. Well, uh, now, you, now, you know, now you know the chief. Well, I said, like, 
you know, hey, man, like... Look how, look how times have changed. Back then, you were just a delinquent delivering subs. Now you know the chief. <laughs> I'm like, really? You had a call, so I go... Then so I'm standing there thinking to myself... Oh, funny. I'm standing there thinking to myself, well, how am I going to get out of this mess, you know? Well, yeah. here comes the other delivery guy with the backup car. I'm like, well, how did you know I locked myself out? They're like, the police called. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> You're not living that one down. Oh, no. Well, I said, I said look... Look at this street right now. Look how many people are walking down the street. And I saw the kid. It was like in slow motion. The kid pushes the door shut. And it's and like, like, no. no! <laughs> the car is playing. The music's blasting. The air condition's pumping. Those people uh, who got their sandwiches, those those cheesesteaks had ice. After, yeah. They had ice <laughs> hanging off of them from the, <laughs> the car. It was like a meat locker. Oh, my gosh. The good old days. So, PT. MG. Yeah. I um, did. Uh, I did watch that second half of Ozark. I heard you guys were talking about that as well. So I have seen, you know, because I didn't want any spoilers. Well, so I was going to ask you. Ozark. So, what? How do I play this now? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm in season four of the Blacklist. Do I stop watching the Blacklist and go to Ozarks now yeah, and watch I those so. seven quick episodes? I think so. They're they're all good. They're very very good. There's, I mean, it's the series. It's the finale of the series. So you're right. I know that you don't see a lot of spoiler information, but I certainly, you know, I you know I follow Entertainment Weekly on Twitter and stuff like that. I, I just didn't want to see anything sneak out, and so I, I did go through and, and watch them all. You know. Um, and enjoyed them all. The only thing I haven't finished yet is the final episode of Winning Time, which uh, I read a really interesting article about, uh, y- you know, David Jones that writes for uh, Penn Live yeah. um, and covers Penn State football and stuff. He wrote a really great column about how years ago, uh, he, or he's always been a fan of the movie Moneyball, and that they really did Art Howe a disservice in the movie Moneyball. And a bunch of the stuff that they put in there never happened. And they made Art Howe out to be this, you know, standoff guy that was never going to do what management said and was not a company guy and all this stuff. And, and so he caught up with Art Howe, David Jones did, to interview him and talk to him be, just based off the fact that, you know, the Jerry West news about how Jerry West felt unfairly tweet, treated. And I guess... Art Howe and Philip Seymour Hoffman never met each other. But at one point, Philip Seymour Hoffman did do like an interview with Variety magazine where he said, like, I really feel bad. Like, you know, they asked, had he ever met Art Howe? And Philip Seymour Hoffman said, no, I haven't. But I hope he understands this was a dramatic movie. Like, (laughs) you know, this wasn't a documentary. See, what happened was they had talked to Art Howe. They had the screenwriters. and, And so Art Howe had given him permission to use his name and his likeness in the movie and stuff. But Art Howe thought he was going to be in the movie. Wow. And then he, they also thought they were going to shoot it with Gus Van Sant, I guess. And it ended up being, I'm trying to remember who the other director was. Um, but, you know, suffice to say, Art Howe was actually excited about it in the beginning. He thought he was going to meet Brad Pitt, thought he was, it was going to be a great time. And then they decided it was too much like a documentary. They changed directors. Bing, bang, boom. The next thing you know, they're making Art Howe out to be this uh, buffoon. I mean, another guy they talked about was Jeremy Giambi. Remember, he's he's featured in the movie as well. And and in that critical scene where Billy Bean walks into the clubhouse and smashes the jukebox with his bat. Yep. And then he and then he says, you hear that? And it's just silence. And he goes, that's what losing should sound like. You know, and, and they say that, of course, that never happened or it made Jeremy Giambi out to look bad. And 
blah, blah, blah. But I thought that was a – I just read that yesterday, as a matter of fact. I thought that was a pretty interesting column to draw the parallels between Jerry West being ticked off at winning time and how poorly and inaccurately Art Howe is portrayed in Moneyball, which I love Moneyball. Yeah, I watch. That's one of those movies that's on a lot, and I watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, when I see it on, I'll sit there and end up and end up watching it. But I also just started watching Better Call Saul. Oh, very good. That was a question. I watched something on Netflix last night. I just watched a couple of these episodes. But Howie Mandel is doing a new game show called Bull Bleep. Now I can't obviously say the full name, and it's on Netflix. So part of the I thought maybe part of the thing was they just want to be able to cuss on the show. But the reality is, is think about that. It, you know, and, and my my girlfriend's son Michael accuses me of this all the time that I'll say something strong and accurate and at well strong and confident, and then they know like wait a minute, do you really know that? Or, or like when you're calling Josh out on like his fact checking, right? And so Josh would be really good at the show. If he got up there, you answer a trivia question, right? So, for example, one of the trivia questions was what mall, what restaurant, when he left, what mall restaurant did Saul have to go work for? Now, do you remember the answer to that? I'm, only in, the manager I'm only in season, I just started season two. Okay, well, the, the answer well, is I guess he's tomorrow. working at Cinnabon. Yeah, Cinnabon, that's correct. And they had like Sparrow, Cinnabon, Orange Julius, and Auntie Anne's or something were the four choices. So like if I was playing and you were on the other side, I'm playing for the million, I would pick an answer. Now only I see if the answer is correct, right? And then if it's not correct, I have I have to quickly come up with some BS story of why the answer is correct. And then all you need to do is convince one person on the other side that you're not lying, and then you go through and you get that you get that level and you go up to the next level. So it was a pretty interesting show. Oh, and this is on Netflix. Yeah, call, and it's literally called Bull Bleep. Gotcha. I mean, you, you can't miss it. Is it like on like a certain night, or is it just like pre-taped? No, it's, like- it's all it all dropped. There's uh, there's ten episodes. That's pretty funny. Yeah, so I, I, I was watching that a little bit last night. It's a unique so idea. Hey, we're going to tape a season's worth of game shows and put them on Netflix. Oh, yeah, and, and it's really funny. At one point, like, the money starts. There's only 10 questions, so the money starts at 1000 bucks and then goes all the way up to a million. It's like, I think it's 1000 10,000, 25,000, 50. And you could lock, you have a couple locks. So some people were like, you know, they get one right, in the very start, they get a thousand bucks, and the one guy said, "Well, I'm going to lock it in, so at least I guarantee that I walk out of here with some money." Mm. And then the one, uh, Howie said something like, uh, "He goes, you know, because I had to fly out here." And Howie's like, "What? We didn't pay for your flight?" And the guy's like, "Oh no, no, you paid for the flight." And he's like, "I mean, this isn't Hulu." <laughs> so he took, so he took a shot at Hulu. Then well, there was another, that's funny yeah. because I was just, you know, I watched a couple episodes of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm from this season. Now I saw maybe like the first three or four episodes, and Larry's pitching the show to Netflix, and. They're like, he gets into an argument with the guy about, remember, he? did you see this season? I have not. And yet, he accuses no. the guy of lying about telling the janitor to fix the toilet. So oh, he funny. says, you know what, I don't want to work here anymore. So he goes over to Hulu 
and the Hulu studios are like these crappy studios, and like you know, he's allowed to do whatever well, he wants. Everybody's taking shots at Hulu. Yeah, is it, well, I don't have Hulu. Is Hulu like second rate or something? I don't know. I I have it because I got it as part of the bundle. You know, I originally had gotten Disney Plus to watch something, and then you know, if you get you get Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu all together. I don't know. Just add it to the tab. It's another thing that I'm paying for that I don't use enough. Fine. I made uh, I made Susan watch the Encanto movie last night, an animated movie. And my logic was I'm paying royally for this Disney Plus. We might as well watch something. <laughs> she liked it. <laughs> I'm going to the Phillies tomorrow night. All right. Hold that thought, okay? Yeah. You got to take a timeout. Got uh, a couple other questions that were on my list here that I didn't get to yet because you just kept on going. Well, you pulled the string. I did. I pulled the string and... Yeah. Uh, and away we went. All right. Well, it's fun. It's a Tuesday with Thompson here on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, here's my question, okay? Okay. I want you to think about this. All right. Now all that right. all the local teams are out, you know, except for the Phillies. Now, they play almost every single night. But when you get the off day, when the Phillies don't play... What do you do? All right. That was last night. But yeah, go ahead. Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. We had some text messages on this earlier. If you want to text me, there's no Phillies, no Flyers, no Sixers. What do you do those other nights? Do you watch the national games? Do you watch other sports? Do you go DVR? Do you watch first run? All right. More Sports Bash coming up. Now, back to the sp- Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN. All right, 5.33 PT. Now, I had a bunch of stuff on my topic list for the segment today. I apologize that I was wordy. So, I'm going to get to some of these. Don't be so wordy. If you can, please, uh, let me get to the end of my topic list here today, all right? Yes. Uh, Did you see any of this flyer stuff today? The uh, rookie guy they signed? No. Or what? What's so according with? to uh, Sportsnet in Canada, uh, the Flyers have a um, – he's a top uh, – Barry Trotz is the top candidate. Um, they are getting closer to starting interviews. They know this is a crucial hire here, and they are determined to leave no stone unturned in finding the right person. What's been on their minds in the coach is a strong track record, demands accountability from players, gets buy-in right away, and makes teams harder to play against. Also, Ivan Probrol's end-of-season media conference, where he angrily defended his play, has Flyers fans wondering if that would be his ticket out of Philadelphia. After looking into it, I don't think it's a guarantee. But the Flyers will consider everything. They still see his potential, but they aren't crazy about the idea of him reaching uh, someplace else. They like to see him have a season with Ryan Ellis. So there's a couple things. Barry Trotz, PT, is he the right fit for this group? 
Well, the accountability part, he certainly would be, you know, and nobody expected the Islanders to fire him, so that was a bit of a surprise. The one knock on the guy, I think if there was a knock on the guy, was that Barry Trotz didn't play a lot of the younger players. Like, he tends to go with veteran guys, and and, and I don't think that, you know, that's not the situation the Flyers are, are in right now. So, I mean, then the other thing you have to ask yourself, this is probably the primary question is, we're sitting here, is he the right fit? Um, well, are they at a point wanna, right now? Are does they he want to come to Philadelphia was what I was going to say. Well, like, forget that. Forget whether he wants to come here. Are they at the right spot where they are? They're a 60-win team. Is he the right coach to take over a 60? Like, you bring in Barry Trotz if your team is, like, on the precipice of winning a Stanley Cup, right? Right, which does line up with what management has said. You know, uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason, Chuck Fletcher and uh, Dave Scott both think that they're not that far away, you know. But the reality is, is that, you know, you're talking about a team that's won one playoff series in the last 10 years. You're talking about a team that missed the playoffs in back-to-back seasons for the first time since 92, 93, 93, 94. They had the NHL's worst record from New Year's Day till the end of the season. You know, I mean, it's, look, uh, there was a long time ago, you and I did a radio show talking about would NBA free agents want to come to Philly? Well, will NHL free agents want to come to Philly and I don't know that they I don't know that it's it's hot and and that's essentially what you're talking about which is you're talking about a coach Barry Trotz going to be 59 years old you know I don't know that he's the kind of guy that wants to be patiently waiting you know wait, and wait, anybody wait. that thinks that Barry Trotz, yeah 59 59 that's not all that old he looks a lot older than that I I would have swore that Barry Trotz was near 70 uh, he might be 69. I might have uh, shaved off a decade there. I will confirm my answer here on the genie box. Uh, now I need new eyeballs. No, 59. You're more correct. 59. I was right. Yeah. Well, that's see, that's what happens, MG. You're, you you got your full thick head of hair, but Barry, Hots, Barry Trotz wore a, uh, a helmet for many years. So, you know, <laughs> he's got the old cue ball going up there. I'm seeing stories he's going to interview for with the Jets. I mean, he, he doesn't want anything. Well, there's some fires. rumors that he wants to get out of coaching and go more into the front office and that, you know, that could be a possibility. But apparently the Flyers are very interested. Like, he is one of their top candidates for the job here. So just keep throwing that out I mean, the guy's a great, he's a great coach, and he would he would come in and, and – all the stuff they got away with last year, he would he would hold them accountable. So, right. look, as far as I'm concerned, is he a good fit? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he wants to be here, but yeah, uh, I, would, I would like him. All right, PT, did you know today was uh, Josh's birthday? Oh, happy birthday, Josh. I did not know today was his birthday. I will get him some fresh broccoli and something else that he can eat by the spoonful while working too hard. I, I, did all, I also <laughs> did not know it was his birthday. Now, I did not get the alert on my phone today that gave me the Facebook birthdays, to which you mentioned on every, Do you still do that? I do. Um, usually it times out well that I can do them first thing in the morning and, you know, catch up. Although <laughs> you would discover this. So I've been trying to cut back on do I really know this person or do I not know this person? And leave it to me to be the one that cuts people on their birthday because, you know, did you, you cut, don't see him. Did you cut Josh? No, he never came up as as it was his birthday. Today. All right, PT is also work. saying that you never came up for the birthday today. That you know, somebody said bad job by me that I should know his birthday. To which I said, oh, I don't know everybody's birthday. Well, wait a second. Now I just typed his name in and it went right to the thing that said wish him a happy birthday. So maybe 
gosh, maybe I forgot to do birthdays today. But yeah, and then the other thing is sometimes Jeez. birthdays don't come up in your notifications anymore. Oh yeah, you know who else's birthday it is today? Jim Gardner is seventy-four years old. Derek Gunn has a birthday today. Well, uh, Twitter uh, basketballnews.com has thirty teams, and uh, it says which day were you born is the team that drafted you. So, Josh, you were drafted by the New Orleans. Um, wait, yeah, the New Orleans Pelicans. I thought that was their emblem. I'm like, wait a second, what the heck is that? PT, what's your birthday? January what? 16th. 16th. Yeah, put me in. You are drafted by the Knicks. Oh, okay. That's a historic franchise. I'm now, all right with that, I my guess. birthday is the 24th. That's the Sixers. Oh, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, I got drafted by the Sixers, apparently. Jen C., who used to work with us. It's her birthday today as well. Yeah, we've gone through all the people whose birthdays it is today. This was a... Pat, uh, Pat C., who you've worked with on the radio before, who works up at those Philly radio stations. Okay, yeah. It's his birthday. There's a lot of birthdays I didn't wish this morning. How did I miss birthdays? I know. Well, I never got the... Normally, every day, I get the alert on my phone. It'll say, like, Josh Henning and four other people have a birthday today. Right, yep. I didn't get one. that today. Sometimes it doesn't come in, and you actually have to put birthdays in under, like, you search in there and, and put it in, and then it'll come yeah, up. Yeah, see, I tried to limit my comments on Facebook to maybe one or two a month. Interesting. Yeah, so, so like, if I just... comment on your thing. That's big. That is, like, because <laughs> I don't want to be the point, like, you comment or you like, and then you're like, well, you like that or you didn't like that. No, he just doesn't like anything. Well, now, I, I, here's what happened. So I like a lot of things, right? And that does keep some people in the same rotation. You know, that's, I think, how the algorithm works. But that was my point is you could look under see friendship. So when it's somebody's birthday, I will look and see friendship to see, like, do I really know who this person is? Have we interacted at all? You know, uh, did, I, did I wish them a happy birthday last year? Did they wish me one back? I'm not going to lie, MG. Some people get cut because they didn't wish the PT a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so uh, uh, I don't wish you a happy birthday on there. It doesn't matter. You're a friend in real life. I okay. mean, that that's a whole other ballgame. So, you know what I mean? In other words. It was your father's birthday the other day, and I sent him a text message to wish him a happy birthday. And a day later, he got back to me and said thank you. Yeah, so that well, was very it's funny because I forgot my father was on uh, away. Yeah. So he had a nice vacation. On, on his birthday, he was away. Right. And I had said, hey, you know, we'll meet up for lunch. And he said, well, I'm away. I right. forgot. Well, we'll just have to meet up with them soon. Um, all right. I asked the, the question before, PT. Yes. So if the local team is not on, what is your procedure that night? Okay. So can I start by saying that on Sunday night, I did watch the Game 7 between the Penguins and Rangers, and I did watch the Game 7 between uh, – the stars and the flames, but I couldn't stay awake all the way to the end of it. Fine. You know, I watched so I Boston, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Toronto on sa on Saturday night. Yeah. Billy came in raving about all those games and how great they were. So yeah. I did, I did watch that, but, but last night is a great situation where, you know, no Phillies, right? Sixers are done, all that. And I, well, last I you had nothing. You. you had no hockey, no basketball, no Phillies. Right. I, I watched, uh, let's see, I watched Jeopardy, and I played along. I got 12 right in the first round and 12 right in the second. Thank you very much. And then we pivoted I'm into. Uh, we 24 watched 24 right. 
Oh, yeah, I did pretty well. Yeah, and I answered in the form of a question, too. <laughs> you know, when we were in college, you know, my roommates and I, we used to play Jeopardy, right? The five of us would sit in the living room, and we did it where we found this Jeopardy hooded sweatshirt, and it had the okay. Jeopardy logos on it. And the right. winner from the night before got to got wear this. the got sweatshirt. <laughs> but what we would do is we turn off the heat, and everybody else had to freeze their ass off, and That's the funny. winner got to wear the hooded sweatshirt. I mean, I don't get everything right, but I, I feel to me like that that's pretty good. If you're getting 12 or 13, that's about, I mean, 15 would be half. There's 30 clues in each uh, in each round. So, you know. If I'm I, impressed. 24 is a pretty solid number. Yeah, I thought I did pretty well. And it's funny because in the second round, I only had two for a long period of time. And I said to Susan, like, I only have two. I only have two. I only have two. And then I finished with the same 13 that I did in the first round. I, I ran a category and I went, you know, I love college Jeopardy. I love when the categories fit right in the PT's wheelhouse, you know, movies, TV, right? Um, drinks, beverages, fine. <laughs> uh, anything like that. Obscure stuff, you know, All right. I'm decent at. So that's basically. That was right. So I did Jeopardy. Then we did Encanto, right? We watched that. That's a two hour movie. See what movies? Right. Then Susan fell asleep a little bit, but pretended like she saw the whole thing. And then at the end, when she said, I'm going upstairs and going to bed, then I got into that BS show with Howie Mandel. And I got to tell you, they just kept coming. So I had to keep watching. There's no cliffhanger, is there? Well, you, you watch Deal or No Deal, right? Remember where he used to say, you know, well, is Mike Gill going to take the case? We'll tell you on the next episode of Dior No Deal. Oh, right? so there is a so cliffhanger. Th there's always a cliffhanger. They set it up in a way or they take breaks in a way where, you know, the contestants on there and you're waiting to see, are they bounced out because all three people called them on their BS or did they, you know, and so they hang it over, you know. So, yeah, I mean, and but with Netflix, it just goes right on to the next one. So. Right. Well, it was funny. At one point, there was a girl on there that looked uh, she was very pretty. And somebody said something like. Uh, or the person that was in the hot seat. They call it the hot seat, but you don't sit. You stand at this podium. And the guy said, uh, well, I thought she was somebody from your old show. And Howie said, uh, Janine, open the case. You know, and then he's like, oh, wait, wrong show. You know. So. Yeah. Well, I say um, normally, you know, when I get the off night like that, like this weekend I had, I, that's why I started Better Call Saul because I couldn't watch the blacklist because my girlfriend was away. So I didn't want to like watch the show, you know, episodes without her. Mm -hmm. So I got into now I have two shows going at the same time. I don't know how I'm going to steer this car. Plus, I need the Ozarks to get in there as well. The Eastern you Conference Finals start tonight. You got Eastern Con. Now, the Phillies have been on the West Coast. Now they're back into the mix. Right. They're on in an hour, 645. Remember, earlier start times, too. Yeah, I, like I know that. this. I know this. I watched uh, something called The Lincoln Lawyer, and I don't know if you remember the movie with Matthew McConaughey, but it's based on Michael Connelly books, uh, basically the lawyer who used to be in a Lincoln town car, and that was something that popped up on Netflix. Yeah, my and mother Susan, told me she watched it. Yeah, Susan likes legal dramas, and I should have, I should have, I feel guilty. I should have included her in it, but, you know, I, I was able to sort of watch it and watch it quickly um, and get through it, and Fine. I think that, uh, you know. Right. Say lovey. It is what it is. So try look, watch the BS show with Howie Mandel. Just watch one episode and tell so when we talk on Friday, you can tell me. Oh, if no, you're no, no, no. That's another, that's the last thing that's on my list here. So we usually do happy hour Friday with the PT and Todd Rank does Thursday. Okay. But Todd Rank is gonna be live in the studio on Friday. 
so we might flip you guys. Oh, so now you want me to come on Thursday? Well, no, I'm going to give you the option here. Do you want to fill his spot on Thursday, or do you want to join him in conjunction on happy hour? Now, if it's the two of us, if it's the three of us together, that segment could go way off the rails. Oh, I, I absolutely, I think I want to come in and be a part of it as well. If he's coming in at 5, then I want to be in at 5. Yeah, he's going to be in town. We're hanging out on Friday night. The town, I'm just giving people a heads up now. When the two of us uh, get together, uh, crazy yeah. things happen. And and theoretically, forgive me, Your Honor, but theoretically, you could be in that chair. I could be in this chair. Todd could be in another chair in the studio to do the segment, to do the hour, and then I could catch up with you wherever I need to catch up with you later on that night. And then uh, we got that uh, chilly uh, knockout uh, on Saturday. I'm gonna yeah, be, now uh, I told you I'm, I'm out for that. That's the, uh, my dad's the, birthday. The Orange Loop Theater is where that is. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, oh, guess what, by the way? Guess what? Um, I, I apologize. I, uh, thank God I looked at my phone. I cannot be a part of the big uh, uh, Todd Rank uh, reunion segment, and I do need to take the Thursday segment because the PT is going to the Who on Friday night. Hey, there you go. It all worked out. Yes. So I'm switching it to, but I, I'll probably still maybe be able to see you for lunch, but I'm switching you to Thursday at the same time. All right. Five o'clock Thursday is going to be our happy hour segment. There we go. Extend right. my condolences to Todd for not being able to yeah, he's, indulge he's, with him. He's going to be back in the studio live Friday. That's awesome. All right, Peter. I'll be listening. Okay, take care, bud. Uh, that's a uh, Tuesday with Thompson. It was a long day at Sarah because PT answered questions very long. All right, I'll be back with uh, the wrap-up of the show coming up next. Now, back to... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. South Jersey's sports leader. All right, uh, get ready to wrap up the show. Bob Herrig is on game night tonight. Uh, Tiger's former uh, coach. Did he drive the car? The Tiger drive the car. Harmon. Harmon drives. No, Herrig. His coach was Bob Harmon. I mean, Bob Herrig wrote the Tiger book. I'm sorry. Right. Bob Harmon was his former coach. Though. That's right. You had the Bob and the H, though. You were right there. I was right there. Uh, ESPN has announced they're starting production on a 30 for 30 documentary on the 2000-2001 Baltimore Ravens. Are you interested? I am interested. What do you want to learn? What do you want to learn from that team? I want to learn the truth about the quarterback situation. Well, you know, like all these teams, like everybody wants to see a 30 for 30 on the process. Is the Baltimore Ravens interesting enough to get a 30 for 30 for? Like what was interesting about that team? Well, we're talking about the team that, you know, won the Super Bowl. I know, but a lot of teams won the Super Bowl. That I'm like, do I want to see a 30 for 30 on them? I mean, there's always some personalities on the team. You know, you want to get some insight on the coaching situation. Well, because here's the thing. The, the Ravens have only been in existence since, what, 96? As the Ravens. They were right. the Browns before that. Right. So there's, there's a part of you that looks at the franchise and... Maybe you don't know as much as you think you do. You know, they they won two Super Bowls in 96, and they won for completely different reasons. Do you think the Browns people 
feel like those Super Bowls would have been theirs? No. My, my buddy Andy McNamara is a diehard Browns fan. He says that it doesn't count. No, I know. They, the, the lineage of the franchise is not locked. Right. But a lot of the player personnel and, like, people like Ozzie Newsome. Yeah. They all went to the Ravens. If they would have stayed in Baltimore, uh, in Cleveland, you wonder what could have been. I guess you're saying they don't wonder. All right. I think everyone believed that the team was doomed anyway. All right. Uh, game night's up next. And the Eastern Conference Finals, game one. I like the heat in the series. I'll talk to you tomorrow. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.